Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Is Leonard Fournette ready for a big-time season for the Jacksonville Jaguars? What has he learned? We'll hear from Leonard. Terry Rubisky, how much can he help? A couple of New Orleans guys, Louisiana guys. How much will that help in a reinvented backfield of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Will I defend my home run derby title? It's actually not a defense. Will I win it again? I won it two years ago, so it wouldn't be a defense. Uh, can I win it again? That's maybe the most burning question I have on this Friday heading into Memorial Day and plenty of Jags talk. How about Gardner Minshew? We catch up with the stash. Two famous stashes in the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, Shad Khan and Gardner Minshew. We uh, had some time with the quarterback after OTAs here on Friday. And, oh, my, I wish we could show you. Maybe the Jaguars will put it out a little bit later because it was one of the times that you cannot record. It was team session for the Jags. But everybody's talking about a couple of big plays at OTAs. Oh, we get excited when there aren't even pads on. But Nick Foles with a bomb to Chris Conley. And then a nice play 50 yards down the field by Keelan Cole as well on what was described as a 50-50 ball. So there is that. Get you excited on a Friday. Three days of OTAs in the books. Jags be back at it next week. Plenty of Jaguars talk, of course, here on a Friday. We will do that. And once again, some interviews coming up. Terry Rubisky, Leonard Fournette, and Gardner Minshew. Brent Martineau flying solo here on a Friday. Not for long. We'll have some special guests along the way. And that is included to be Austin Lane, my co-host. He is off in Vegas. And what I'm debating right now in Vegas as we have Scott along with us on a Friday in for Coos, who is taking day number 46 off, and we haven't even reached 100 <laughs> shows yet. Uh, good to have you, Scott. We're hanging out. Thanks, man. The question is, when Austin calls in, I think he's going to do it a couple of times. He's out for the All Elite Wrestling. He's, he's so excited, double or nothing. Uh, we had CM Punk on yesterday. I mean, the guy's fired up. He, he's playing fan for the most part. Oh, absolutely. But we've got him credentials to StarCast, and we've got him credentials to tomorrow night's double or nothing to do some interviews, uh, and we'll see what he gets. I have no idea how he's going to do Well, he's the man, and uh, considering AEW's running out of Jacksonville with the uh, the Khan family involved and everything, he's the right guy to have the right kind of access us to get in there and make us the uh the connection absolutely we're covering local sports in jacksonville and uh on the road in vegas to do it on memorial day weekend but the burning question i have for when when i talk to austin is do i ask him to put a hundred dollars on red or do i ask him to put a hundred dollars on black i want one spin that's it i want wesley snipes taught us that lesson man always Uh, bet on black Bet on black. So we're go. I was thinking black this morning. I just wanted to get your confirmation. We're on board. Absolutely. I want one spin. And now there's a follow up to this. Do I trust Austin if we win to tell us tell us that we really won? Absolutely. I think so too. I think he's good enough for that. So uh, I want that to happen. I don't know if he's like in a casino when we talk to him near a casino, but at some point this weekend, I want one spin for a hundred bucks on black and. We'll let it ride. There it is, man. Which is a different game. Let it ride. But we we will let it ride. Hey, that's how great stories start, man. That is how great stories start. Uh, there's always a story or two in Vegas. 
that is for sure. Hope you're having a good week, everybody. Boy, it feels like summer has started, doesn't it? Uh, this is kind of the week. School's out, graduations. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. Heck, my kids uh, graduated middle school. Uh, that's a thing. And by the way, you should graduate middle school. <laughs> the rest of it's up in the air. <laughs> but middle school is kind of formality. I well, mean, that's where you get your important lessons, man. You've got your basic <laughs> arithmetic. You've got your basic uh, language and grammar skills and your sentence structure. You're learning social interactions. And now what's getting involved is like that the high-speed training. You know, you're getting your uh, your integration into systems and rules and protocols and processes and playbooks and fun, happy things like that. I, I tweeted the picture yesterday of them at... Uh, the old Mary Pats. Mary Pats is what it was called. That's where they went to preschool uh, over there on San Jose uh, or State Route 13 uh, years ago. And we took that picture. And when you take that picture, you have no idea what the heck the kids are going to be like years from now. And I kind of feel the same way. Even after eighth grade, 14 years old, I think we still really have no idea what the kids are going to do, be like, hoop down the road. I mean, there's so much changing that still goes on from 14 to probably 22, but really 14 to like 17 or 18, that I say it from a uh, a playing baseball and softball for them. I say it a lot. I think get me to the 15th birthday, which will be next April for them, and I will tell you what I think they will do, whether they want to go chase girls. Well, not they. Uh, probably. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but I chase girls. Kaylee chase boys. Uh, play video games. Uh, anything but play baseball and softball or if they hey they might be okay at this thing like i have no idea until they're 15 years old in my opinion but i really have no idea about life for them still at this stage i can take a more educated guess but 14 years in i can't tell you what it's going to be like in 2027 or 2035 well at this point also they're starting to figure out who they are what's important to them what do they like what are they into what drives them where is their passion and um you know, if, if you're lucky enough to find that at an early age and start cultivating that, you can progress to heights unlimited. But if you come into it a little bit later, you know, that's more motivation to make up maybe some of that lost ground along the way. And whatever it is, you know, go for it. Be a star. Achieve your dream. We are deep diving, scuba diving here early on a Friday afternoon. Parenting uh, 101. And, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it is. All I really care about tonight is that they throw strikes to me. That's all that matters. Could throw a big meatball that I can hit in home run derby at the baseball grounds. Uh, and if you missed it, uh, first pitch uh, walk-off charities event tonight uh, will be part of it. There'll be a lot of folks uh, involved over there at 6.50. I'm going to race over there right after the show. Hey, better, better, better. So wing better. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have some fun uh, for a good cause. Really a good night out. If you're looking for something to do, doors open at 5 o'clock. Bring your whole team, your little league team, your high school team, your middle school team. Uh, and the kids uh, are free. And the adults are like 10 bucks, but there's food and drink. And the beautiful thing about uh, tonight's event, too, at the baseball grounds, where the derby stuff will take place around 6.15, is it's a relatively short night. You know, you go to some events and it's like four or five, six hours long and you got to dedicate the whole night. Not really. Uh, if you want to bring the kids by and go check it out and have some fun on a beautiful night, uh, you can get over there at 5.30 and you'll be out of there by 7.30. And if you want to go then have a nice dinner or uh, end up hanging out with some some neighbors, or you can still do all that. So I, I like that part of the event. Uh, it'll be over there. We'll be over there. And uh, we'll talk more about it uh, a little bit later on in the program because, quite frankly, it's uh, as it's good 
it's for a good cause, but it's selfishly about me winning the home run derby, so I can brag about it for another year. That is itself a good cause. That is a good cause. <laughs> Myself. Uh, Bragging Axel. rights for Action Sports Jacks, man. I can't wait to talk to Austin Lane and ask him about Giannis. I mean, and the Bucks. What a disaster. I, uh, these teams are disappointing me. I... I Golden State, obviously, I'm rooting for anybody but Golden State, and they're not getting a lot of uh, friction along the way. Portland was, although three of the games were pretty good, it's still, they didn't win one, so Portland didn't provide much of a punch. And now what's going on with the Bucks? How about an adjustment here? I, you win two games, and now Toronto's really come back and played good defense, I think, against uh, Milwaukee. Hey, Bucks, try to figure this thing out. You got one more chance. Uh, you got one more chance to figure it out. And if You're you get back deer. to game, yeah, if you get back to game seven, well, then I think I like your chances. But, uh, that was a bad loss at home, uh, down the stretch to Kawhi Leonard's been awesome. So don't take anything away from him. And the defense has been tremendous. I think they made a super adjustment, uh, going from game two to these last three games. And now it's the Bucks turn. You have to, you have to make an adjustment and you have to make some shots. I mean, those guys, the bench guys are not making shots. The the other guys, as, along with Giannis, uh, not making enough shots. Bledsoe, Middleton, they're, they're not playing where they played all year. Best team in the NBA. We'll see if they can uh, get it done. Game six over the weekend, force a game seven. I do think if they force game seven, I think they will win it at home. I love the momentum a team gets from winning game six, and especially if you're coming back home in a game seven. And I do want my shirt, Fear the Deer. Uh, that's it. It's again, it's very selfish, but I would like to see Milwaukee, uh, win, even though Toronto's been a fun team. Kawhi Leonard's good. He's obviously a, a huge superstar. He's playing like it. He's having an awesome series and, and really postseason. And Toronto fans are into this thing, which is kind of fun to watch. So as a neutral observer, I think that part, uh, has been pretty fun. So we'll talk a little bit about everything. We'll have some special guests along the way, and we'll have some interviews. If you missed it at the top, Gardner Minshew, I caught up with him today. Leonard Fournette talked to the media. Terry Robisky talked to the media. Let's begin there. Leonard Fournette, he's about as interesting a guy as this franchise has seen in in, in its history. And uh, let's, when we come back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, let's hear from Leonard Fournette and what he thinks about the 2019 season and why this could be more like 2017 rather than what really was a disaster of 2018. We begin with some Jags on a Friday. Head into the weekend in style. Thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN 690. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with our friend Brent Martineau on ESPN 690. We're really looking forward to Leonard having a big year. He's going to be a major reason where our offense goes. Leonard Fournette needs to be a big part of this offense. The harder he works, that's going to be not only good for our offense, but good for our team. Uh, that's John Filippo, the Jaguars offensive coordinator, yesterday talking about Leonard Fournette. And, hey, that's what it is. I mean, you know, we talk about Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette. Let's just talk about the running game when it comes to the Jaguars. When it comes to any NFL team, you have to be able to run the football. If you want to be able to run play action to your tight ends, like John Filippo loves to do, design some stuff that might take a little time, you have to be able to freeze that defense, and that all stems from a running game. So, yes, it's a pass-happy NFL, but again, most teams, it still starts with the running game. And 
especially teams that seem to win and win big. And the Jaguars did that in 2017 because of their ability to run the ball. They were number one in the NFL in rushing offense that year. That created some opportunities for receivers, for Blake Bortles and even tight ends. Mercedes Lewis, I think, had five touchdowns that year. Uh, and now Nick Foles will want the same thing, the ability to run the football. You have to be able to pass when people know you're passing too. But the whole setup of a game in the first three quarters is I think still predicated off the run and the ability to do play action. So John D. Filippo talking about Leonard Fournette. That's their bell cow. That's the guy they've invested in. That's the guy who's back from the last two years, and he has to have a good season in the eyes of John D. Filippo. I absolutely agree. By the way, we want your thoughts on uh, Leonard Fournette throughout the show. Nine zero four three six two. 9901. Also, whatever else you've heard all week on the Jags. We've had interviews with Avery Jones and D.D. Westbrook and uh, earlier this week with Chris Conley. We'll have one with Gardner Minshew coming up. We'll hear from Leonard Fournette and Terry Rabisky and more from John D. Filippo. So any comments on what's going on first week of uh, OTAs? More than welcome. Join me. Keep me company. 904-362-9901. I do want to pass along some updates along the way because right now Creekside is playing for a state championship in softball down in Vero Beach. So that just got underway. And in baseball, the JU Dolphins trying to get a win over Stetson. Stetson, a little bit of a Cinderella in the A-Sun tournament. They're a six seed and they've won their first two games. Stetson and Jacksonville tied at one right now. In the eighth inning, I think they might be going to the ninth. So that one coming down to the wire. JU has won two extra inning games. If they can win this one, they'll advance to the championship tomorrow. Meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, after this game down in Deland, UNF will play. And UNF will play against Liberty, I believe it is. And uh, they, if they win, they'll play in the championship tomorrow. So there's a really good chance that JU and UNF will play in the A-Sun championship. And the winner of that one will be the automatic bid from the A-Sun into the NCAA tournament. That's the only way UNF and JU are getting in this year. They won't get at larges. So it's something to keep an eye on today. We'll continue to follow it. Some really good baseball and softball uh, here on a Friday, both high school and college. Florida and Florida State softball play tonight. FSU softball actually lost yesterday, so they'll be up against it. And uh, we'll keep you posted on all of that. Go Osprey. Are you a UNF guy? I am. Multi-times. Right now, you're not saying go Wasps. Right. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of the wasp flying around in the studio right now. I am I'm not his friend. Yeah, you um what's interesting about uh, I was thinking would you rather have in the ask yourself this people, would you rather have like in a in a closed studio like we're in a wasp or a yellow fly roaming around? And you took the wasp. No, I'd Scott. rather have the yellow fly. Because I can slap it around and be done with it. You slap a wasp around, and that wasp is going to slap you back. I tell you what. I think my wife is more afraid of a yellow fly than if she saw a grizzly bear face to face. (laughs) She hates those things. She is petrified. You've got fairly equal odds. (laughs) Uh, I was attacked by one on the golf course the other day. I could not get the thing away from me. A grizzly bear? No. <laughs> the, uh, definitely the yellow fly, and I cannot get it away from me. I, what, what I'm impressed with the yellow fly is the endurance. Like They're tenacious little monkeys. They will chase you down. Like like you can try to get away, you can walk faster, you can even run. They will keep following you. Like they've they've got an endurance to them. I'm impressed uh, with the yellow fly, flies. But this this is it. I don't know how many career kills you have, but today by the end of the show, six o'clock, Scott. 
I expect a killed wasp. One or the room. other will die by the end of the show. <laughs> Hit or me. Somebody's going down uh, today here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Going to talk a lot of Leonard Fournette, a lot of Jags. More than welcome uh, to jump in. And, well, South Beach Gary takes the opportunity early on a Friday, getting ready for a uh, holiday weekend. What's up? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Except when Austin plays, Brett, because he generates so much club head speed with the driver. They're afraid to be around the man. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out when when we take him out on the golf course. I'm going to introduce a new segment today, guys, the song of the day. Oh, thank you. When I call. Oh. Today it's going to be Cupid by the great Sam Cooke. Oh, okay. Do we have to go find that? Do you want to give us a heads up so we can go find the song? (laughs) 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 Or 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 are you going to sing it to us, South Beach Gary? No, 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 no. You don't want me to sing. I'm not in Sam Cooke's league. I admit that. Uh. But you're so right when you're talking about the running game, but I think the Jags, they should be excited about Nick Foles, and I agree with him. But the fact of the matter is it's one of the worst talented teams as far as receivers, tight end, resumes in the NFL, the skill position players. There's questions at linebacker outside of Tone Smith because you've got Ryan coming back from the knee, uh, you know, the, the depth there. The linemen with Cam Robinson and uh, Linder coming back from injury, there's still a lot of questions on the football game, even if you're looking for teal-colored glasses. Yeah, I think you're right there. Uh, South Beach Gary, have a Thanks, good, good, good have holiday, a holiday weekend. weekend. Uh, you too. Oh, look at that. You found it. You played them out, little Cupid. By the way, I would never have guessed this. Not sure how that fits in with the Jags and stuff, but you know, there it is. It's I mean, beautiful. Listen, if you're going to introduce like a new segment and South Beach Gary says Song of the Day, like would you really lead off with this? Like Song of the Day and you're coming out of the gates? This is the first time ever on the show, he says, uh, with Song of the Day and he comes out of the gates with Cupid? It's an interesting choice. I mean, you know, it's Jazz Festival weekend. I might have gone something in that direction. Uh, big sports weekend. I might have gone something a little more aggro. But hey, man, South Beach, he's living a lot. Yeah. So uh, maybe, maybe Sam Cook was the mood. <laughs> Sam Cook's the mood. And uh, thanks for finding that. That was very good of you. Uh, quick, quick on your hands or feet or something uh, over there. Uh, or, hey, listen, South Beach Gary brings a good point. Yeah, listen, you can have teal colored glasses on. And uh, sometimes I am the. Uh, owner and definitely the founder uh, and president and chairman and all that of the Sunshine and Rainbows Club, but I they do have question marks. Of course they do. I, I don't think on the defensive side they have a lot of questions that they'll be a good defense. I think it's how much, how good will they be? How elite will they be? Will they get turnovers and scores like they did two years ago? Or will they come up a bit empty in that department like they did last year? Are they Saxonville again? So those are fair questions, but we all know they have good players. Everybody in the NFL knows this football team has good players on defense, and they are going to be a good defense. Uh, they, again, elite, we can talk about and we can debate, but good, no doubt. I mean, don't don't even, don't even think about saying this isn't going to be a good defense. So I don't think there's a lot of questions on that side of the ball from that standpoint in its totality. There's a ton of questions on offense. How good is Nick Foles? What about this revamped running backs room? What can Leonard Fournette bring you? Can he stay healthy? Can the offensive line stay healthy? Is Cam Robinson a good left tackle? Is Brandon Linder a little overrated at center? Is the right side of that line going to be okay with the hodgepodge of guys that got it right tackle and the re-signing of A.J. Can? Do they have any talent, if not enough talent, at the, in the tight end room? And who emerges from the wide receiver group, uh, including how healthy is Marquise Lee? So 
South Beach Gary, I hope I answered your question, but or at least come on board with you. Maybe not on Cupid, but definitely on, yeah, there's a lot of questions. But you know what? Every football team has a lot of questions. I'm telling you right now, I could go dissect the New England Patriots, and I will give you 20 questions about the New England Patriots. I know one I, I won't give you, and that's Tom Brady. And another one's Bill Belichick. But I'm gonna, I can also tell you that I'm not going to ask a lot of questions about this Jags defense right now, and I probably won't ask a lot about Josh Lambeau. So there you go. I've got two that I like here in Jacksonville as well. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. These, uh, these questions that might be asked about that, they'll be proven in time, and we'll get us something to look at, something to review. For right now, every team's coming in with a clean slate. Hopefully every team's coming in with a full roster, a bunch of healthy players, a bunch of people who are willing to do the work, a bunch of people who want the season. And uh, if Jacksonville's on top of their game like they were for that uh, 17 season, man, it's it's wicked things in stock for the rest of the NFL. If you think about uh, like a drinking game, maybe some Vita de Louis tequila or something like that, I think my drinking game word this so far on this show and when talking about the Jags is maturity. And I asked D.D. Westbrook about that a little bit yesterday. You go going into year three, are you, are you mature? I love the fact that Nick Foles, because of his maturity, he's 30 years old. I like that. Uh, you know, I, I think even you could put that into Miles Jack because he matured now to play that middle linebacker spot. Uh, you know, the Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's been very quiet this offseason. I think that's a show, a sign of maturity. It's certainly he, a, a significant character shift from uh, his past uh, behaviors. And, and you know what? As, an, as a guy who likes to talk trash, you talk trash and everything when you do well. But when your team doesn't do well, you kind of silent a little bit. And I think he's shown a level of maturity by doing that this offseason. I have not heard much outside of a little social media from Jalen Ramsey. No national articles. And people are calling, by the way. It's not like they've stopped calling. Everybody's asking to do interviews. He's not doing them. So, And then I asked the same question about Leonard Fournette. And, and I think maturity. And last year, as so fresh in everybody's mind, and some of the off-the-field stuff. And there's all these questions about Leonard Fournette. Well, I do think... It's natural to assume three years into an NFL career, you're more mature than you might have been in year two and definitely in year one. And that's, again, what I think about with Leonard Fournette. I think he's a guy that I don't know if he'll always make the greatest decisions. He might get another speeding ticket, by the way. I, I don't. I, I think he will pay it. I don't think he'll get a suspended license again. I, I, I think he probably, he'll probably spend some money on something that he shouldn't spend some money on, like, like a fourth car or so, you know, I think he'll make some questionable decisions. He's still only 24, 25 years old, a guy with a lot of money. But I do think there will be a professionalism about him that we haven't quite seen just yet or a different level of it. Let's hear from Leonard Fournette, uh, a little conversation with him about kind of hitting the reset button. And then I had a couple of follow up questions on a, on a few different topics, including the running backs room and his new running backs coach. Uh, you know, after the season we had last year. You know, I think everybody kind of hit the, the restart button. You know, we talked about the, where we was going at. You know, and uh, when I went to Dallas, actually Cam was out there. Uh, I went, I went, me and Yon trained for a minute together. So it was kind of like for all the players to get back into uh, our foundation where we all started from. Leonard, what's his room like? A uh, bunch of new guys in there. Well, it's, it's the same, man. Uh, you know, because uh, with Biscuit, uh, he's he's one of a kind. You know. Uh, me and Blue, I've been had a uh, relationship with Blue since we was in college uh, when I was getting recruited out of LSU. Uh, Benny's a good guy. Uh, Tom is a good guy. Q, you know, he's kind of quiet. We're trying to break him out of the show, but uh, it's fun. Coach is Trubisky, it? how much do you relate to uh, so you guys? Are... Yeah, we're both from uh, New Orleans, you know, went to LSU. Uh, he's cool, you know. Uh, 
old school, you know. That's one thing he's old school, and he's going to push us no matter what. Leonard Fournette earlier today uh, talking about a, a variety of topics. So we'll have more Leonard Fournette reaction coming up in just a little bit. But uh, the one thing, you know, sometimes words come out, I think, even even different for these guys when they answer the question. I asked him about the running backs room, and he's like, well, it's the same. Well, no, it's not. It, it's not the same. And he actually then went on to say, you know, uh, talk about each guy and – and even Terry Rabisky, who's who's the different guy. So I think he gave us evidence that it's not the same, even though he kind of said right away, yeah, it's the same. It's not. And, and that and that's a big thing. T.J. Yeldon was not a good fit, I don't think, in that room. Uh, Carl, uh, Carlos Hyde, not a good fit in that room by the end of the year. I, I don't think that was the case. It was an epidemic, like day in, day out, early in the season, whatever it was. But by the end of the year... Those two guys couldn't be a part of it anymore. They couldn't be a part of Leonard Fournette anymore. It was not going to work. That well, was like, and all things fair to Car- to uh, Carlos Hyde, but he really seemed like a like a quick patch on a leak or something like that. You know, he seemed like a not a, an attempt to solve a problem, but to mitigate it. And uh, it just the the team just wasn't a fit for him across the board. Well, it was part of a domino effect, really, because I believe I still I will always contend, and someday we'll find out more about this. And I think the you know the stories will come out, but I think that was a prep move in case they had to potentially trade Leonard Fournette or try to trade Leonard Fournette, given the situation that they were in. I, I think that was at least a potential uh, fix. You know, a guy that could replace Fournette from a style standpoint. And also, a fifth-round pick for what they had on Carlos Hyde's contract still was not necessarily a bad idea. It made a lot of sense. You know, if Carlos Hyde is still here, and this is why it shows that he wasn't a a great guy in that room, because they didn't even really make an attempt to keep him, yet they went out and signed a guy like Rawls and Blue. And and he could have filled those roles. As, as those guys are trying to fill, but they just didn't want him part of the, the room anymore. And the, the good, it has been revamped is my point. And it's probably the best thing for Leonard Fournette that there's new blood in that room. And there's especially new blood when it comes to Terry Rubisky, which is kind of old blood. It's Louisiana blood. It's old school blood. And it's really good for him because he will be the beneficiary of Terry Rubisky more than any other player on that roster. And right now it looks like a pretty good relationship. I want to get into that relationship a little bit later in the show. We'll hear from Terry Rubisky. We'll hear from Leonard Fournette. Why is that such a good connection other than the bond of New Orleans and Louisiana. I mean, it's got to go deeper than that, so we'll get into it uh, coming up in a bit. We go to Vegas coming up next, and a guy with a tie joins me in studio as well on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hang with us here on a Friday. Hope you're having a good day, everyone. Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, a lot more Jags talk on the way. Of course, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 until 6 o'clock tonight. Talk a little NBA. We got the old balling and falling. I don't, th- I don't know if we have stay in your lane today because Austin's not here. So probably not unless Scott wants to pick up on that. But we do have Johnny Bachman right here from CBS 47 and Fox 30. Yeah, said, come on up for a second. Let's talk some sports. Forget about all those other bad, yeah, this is crazy things you got to talk about in the news world. That's right. This will be fun. 
And I'm in Austin's chair, so I'm ready. Should I put on something on the whiteboard? You should. You should I? Uh, well, right. we'll, we'll ask permission right now because okay. Austin is on the line. All right. From Vegas, does Johnny Bachman have uh, permission to use the whiteboard? Oh, John Bachman can do whatever he wants, man. Well, hey, settle down. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad that he's keeping my feet warm. Not that much. Just say whiteboard's fine. I don't know about whatever he wants. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, man. How was the flight? You went out this morning. I heard there were people in yeah. the airport that that's, were flagging you down saying, hey, that's Austin Lane, ESPN 690. I'm sure they were saying. They must have been big fans of the show. <laughs> Truth be told, yeah, I got a few shout-outs, um, one from MMA and one from the radio show. So, you know, it's about a horse apiece. But what was really crazy was the flight. So I flew out of Jacksonville at 6.30, got to Atlanta around 7.30. Uh, my next flight from Atlanta to Vegas was uh, at 8.30. So um, I get on the plane at 8.30, and it's very clear that there's a lot of all elite wrestling fans there because they all have the T-shirts and everything. You know, so I'll get him some props. Like, hey, you guys going to Vegas, I assume? They're like, oh, yeah, he's going too. And we got into a huge conversation. And keep in mind, I mean, it's like 8 o'clock, so it's still pretty early. Uh, but they all started doing chants on the plane, which, I mean, seemed fun, but I wasn't going to take part in it because, once again, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning. But they were chanting and everything, so... Uh, even even the scene on the airplane to Vegas is pretty nuts. Yeah, I bet. You know, in an airport, it's interesting hanging out with you now, uh, doing the radio show. We've done a lot of shows on the road. But, like, do you always feel like people are looking at you? Because oh, yeah. you're six foot six. So, you know, occasionally you, well, I'll get, I'll go to the grocery stores and be like, I know who that guy is. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I think I see I'm trying to play. You know how you can sense somebody's trying to do that? And like, oh, yeah, yeah I see you on TV. Well, a lot of times what I'll say is I like, no, that's my brother. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you, you like, like you're six six. You, you've got dreads in this big bushy beard. And so, yeah. Like, even if you didn't do anything, if you never played in the NFL, if you didn't fight MMA, if you weren't on ESPN 690, you'd probably still get a lot of looks. People would be like, where do I know this guy from? Right? You must get that all the time. Oh, yeah. And then especially, too, because I'm wearing some very aggressive socks as well. So, you know, the, <laughs> the socks, socks kind of stand out a little bit. So people just can't pinpoint me. They're like... Is he an athlete? But he's wearing kind of crazy socks with some beat-up shoes, so maybe he's not an athlete. So, yeah, people always come up to me and ask, you know, what what I do. Unfortunately, I didn't get any Jason Momoa comparisons today yet, so my confidence is a little shot with that. But I actually had something interesting happen to me on the flight that's never happened before. Uh, I, I was sitting in the very back of the plane uh, on my flight from Atlanta to Vegas, uh, and I was sitting in, in the aisle, which was all good because I'm a taller guy. Uh, there was a guy in the, uh, in the middle seat who I guess just had open-heart surgery, and he had to stand up on the plane every 20 minutes or else he said he was, he'd be in pain. Like, okay, maybe maybe we shouldn't be flying on a plane, first of all, if that's the case, but whatever. So he kept on having to stand up. Well, every 20 minutes I'd be trying to sleep, and he'd wake me up, and then he had to go stand in the aisle. So that was a little annoying. But the stewardess felt so bad, at the, you know, so bad for me because I was all scrunched up that – do you know the seat that the like the stewardess sit in, like um, in yeah. the exit row where yeah. you sit to the side? Yeah. Yeah. So she offered that seat. She's like, usually we can't do this, but I feel so bad for you. Do you want to sit in the side seat? I'm like, 
that's a little too weird for me. So I ended up just staying in my seat. But that was the first time I've ever got offered the side seat where you actually face the window. That's awesome. See, and, that's VIP yeah. treatment, man. That is VIP treatment. Yeah. And by the way, I don't feel bad for you. I mean, the guy just had like a heart attack or something recently. I mean, it's heart surgery. I feel bad for that guy. If he's got to get up every 20 well, minutes, fine. Yeah, but you don't hassle Cal I mean, Drogo every 20, 20 minutes, man. Minutes, probably don't go on a plane. That's just my opinion, but. What do I know? Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I, I want you to make a stop into with those awesome-looking vans that you have that are from, like, 2006 is you should stop yeah. by the shoe polish guy in the airport. <laughs> I think you'd probably charge me an arm and a leg for those. They'll probably just throw them in the garbage if you saw them. You know, so. Bachman, tell me, be honest, Bachman, right now, you got a tie on, you're looking spiffy, you're your mm-hmm. anchor man mm-hmm. right yeah, now. My shoes need some polish. And have you ever done the polish I have in the airport? Have you I done have that? It. I love I've yeah. always I haven't done it very do often, it. but I have done it just to say I did it. But, you like did. right now. So there you have it. Was it awesome? It was awesome. Really? Yeah, it really is. Big tip? I mean, you hopefully. Know, you can't not, you know, you got to tip them. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. See, I got to do that sometime. <laughs> yeah. See, I like to dress. I don't like to dress up in the airport. Once in a while, you get stuck having to do that. Yeah. But I'll dress down and then go change or yeah, something like that. Usually you have like the running shoes on, something comfortable to run, you know, walk to and from. Yeah. yeah but, you know, every now and again, you get you have to do Speaking a business trip. Speaking of style, though, John, I have to ask you a question real quick. Hit me. So, John, I have to ask a question about Brent's style. Is Brent wearing, I don't know, like a gray shirt with some dark gray cargo shorts and uh, some aqua socks? <laughs> you nailed it on the gray shirt. I was like, man, he must be watching on the live stream. But yeah, it's like light blue. Really. It's uh, but Brent, he's got Brent some uh, brown, like light brown shorts, and instead of aqua socks, he's got the flip flops on today. Okay, Brent. Brent hasn't worn a primary color in twenty years. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Absolutely. <laughs> I think he actually showered though today, which is good. As from the last yeah. time I was in here, I'm fresh. I'm feeling good. I'm <laughs> uh, feeling very All good. Right. Hey, right. Austin, I'm holding up the whiteboard right now. You know what it says? No idea. Every challenge is an opportunity. How I about like that? that. Oh, that! I tell you what, you're filling that. You're filling that role very well, right? Deep diving, scuba gear on. on I, a Friday. I did a four mile run with my uh, an almost 14 year old daughter today in the heat, Ooh. and I was giving okay. her fatherly advice because that's what we do on a four mile run. And she whooped your ass. Well, she did. She actually <laughs> very much did. But for the first two miles, she she endured the slower pace with me before she lift, left me in the dust. <laughs> But for those first two miles, we were talking, and I and I forget what we were talking about. Oh, about going to high school and stuff. And and I just told her, I said, well, you know, it's going to be hard for the first couple of days, but you know, every challenge is an opportunity. Oh, that's so good there advice. You go. how, how much? How often do you drop like the that this is one thing they're going to remember when they're thirty five? You know, it's funny. The, uh, <laughs> well, I, even after I did that, I go, all right, I'm done. I'm done with your dad dad lesson for today, and she just laughed. Yeah. And that that was about when she just decided, all right, I've, I've gone slowly enough. I'm going to take off. I'm actually a big believer in that. And take notes, Austin. All right, okay, I'm taking take, notes. But I I I like doing that when when I drop the kids off to preschool every single day. Well, every day I did. I did it a few times a week and. I, when they got out of the car, I would say, this one, they were like, what, four? Yep. And I would say, listen, follow the rules, and have fun. And so it became a thing where they would just, like, roll their eyes. But I was kind of yeah. like, that's my thing. I'm sticking with it. Yep. And so they'll even ask them today. If you ask the three rules, they'll even know. There you go. Uh, so, and I haven't really said it to them in years. Right. But I like it. Think about it, right? Right. right? At that well, age, especially. Well, I appreciate it, but let me ask this question too. So you told me what to do when you drop them off at you know preschool or or uh, you know a kindergarten. But what about when they come home? Do you ask them what what, what did they learn that day? Because I've asked my son what what has he learned um, at preschool, 
And for the past, I don't know, year and a half now, it's been, well, he's drawing pictures and playing outside. So not a lot going on in that home. <laughs> well, front. But hey, I mean, did, you, did you ask your kids as well? My kids are 14 years old. And every time I ask them a question, how is school? What is school? Good. Good. Everything is good. <laughs> and that's it. Sure. I have no idea what they've done at school for the last eight years. <laughs> I have no idea. In fact, they graduated from middle school yesterday. And I saw the principal given the talk, you know, before announcing everybody's names. And I'm like, is this a good or a bad thing that I've never met the principal? That's a good thing, Brent. That's a great thing. Yeah. Man. What are you talking about? Like, I, until she was up there, I wouldn't even have known that she was the principal. Right. I that's think that's a good my, thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with good for sure. Principal yeah. on speed dial. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we already discussed that. She had the probation officer and the principal on speed dial. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, you're going to check back in, uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on the wrestling front in a bit. But your thoughts real sure. quick. We're, we're talking a lot of Leonard Fournette today. Do you think yeah. he bounces back, has a good year this year? What, what's your confidence level in Fournette? Yeah, I mean, you know, since the show started, I've, I've been campaigning that Leonard Fournette's going to bounce back and have a big year, and, and I truly believe that. Um, it appears that he's taking the next steps into becoming a professional. I mean, look no farther than either – was he training in Montana or Wyoming? One of the, yeah, Wyoming, one of the flyover yep. states. Yep. Yeah, Wyoming. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what's in Wyoming, to tell you the truth. I mean, there is, there is some skiing and snowboarding, but I don't think he was doing that stuff. So uh, from, a, from a perspective of kind of – eliminating the distractions, kind of focusing on himself, getting his headspace right, I think that was a great move, you know. And um, obviously with, with OTAs, it's kind of hard to tell exactly where he's at right now as a player. Uh, but but one would assume that he's taking all the precautions and, and, and all the measures to, be, to have a great season this year. But time will tell. You're going to join us again in like 90 minutes. What are you going to do between now and then? Did you ever find a hotel? I'm asking you a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, no, you're all good, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like, my mom doesn't ask me these many questions. Yes, I found a hotel. Uh, I'm staying at the Link, which is right next to Caesars Palace, oh, which is really nice. convenient because, um, so, like, the whole event that I'm at right now, if you hear people in the background, it's called Starcast. It's Starcast, basically, it's just, uh, it's like a giant convention. There's a lot of all wrestling guys here. I actually talked to Hangman Page a little bit, hope to get an interview with him later. Um, I actually just saw Allie as well that we had on the show, so I'm going to say hi to her quick, but. It's just basically one big giant convention, and um, it's not only all elite wrestling people. There's people from the WWE. There's people from like the old school era. So it's a pretty cool scene here. Some of my friends are also here, and, and get this, Brent. This is crazy. So Sting, you know, from yeah. the WCW days, he's doing a kind of do like a meet and greet right now. You get a picture taken, get an autograph, and my friends are waiting with that right now. And uh, it's looking like a three-and-a-half-hour race. Oh, my god! No, no lie. Oh Three-and-a-half hours, yeah. I mean, so that's like uh, waiting for a Disney ride. I wouldn't sign up for either it one. It is, man. <laughs> it's, it, it's insane over here. It's, it, it's a very crazy scene. I mean, even get the credentials. $20 uh, meet and greets for Austin room. Lane. No lines, no waiting. <laughs> oh, no. Man, there was lines, Scott, man. Believe me. So when I got here, uh, we had to wait about 35 to 45 minutes for someone to come up, to come up with the media people. And you know me. I'm pretty laid back. So I was like... I'm just happy to be here, but there was a lot of people in the media that were not too pleased, but what are you going to do? You know, I mean, it's a, it's a packed convention. I think they're probably at overcapacity right now, but, but hopefully when I call back in, you know, some interviews to share and uh, stories to talk. I'm shocked that you just told me that there were some cranky media people. Hey, don't forget your burning question, Brent. Yeah, I got that. Hey, how much money do you have with you to gamble this weekend? How much money do I have? Cash, well, I was cash. I was going to put some uh, cash, $0 right now, $0 with the cash. I was going to put some money on the bucks, but now I'm not feeling so confident with that. <laughs> That's so probably a good move. I might not be doing a lot of gambling. 
that if you okay, well here's the deal. When you go to Vegas, how do you have you set a limit, Brent? You, you I've never been. You've never been to Vegas? No. Brent's never been to Vegas. Wow. No, but I have. I've heard, we talked that about this. That sounds like you should take the show road on the road trip. Yes, Scott. We well next year it's the draft. Okay. So Scott and I were talking, and I will. This is what I want you to do, and you don't have to do it now, but sometime this weekend, Austin. Okay. Take you got to go get a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and put it on black. One spin. That's it. If you okay. if you win it. It's for me. You walk away. If you lose, okay. well, you lost, and I'll give you a hundred dollars when you get back. Okay, can I spend that though too? I mean, I mean, I, I can put more down if we get expensive for the show. I think a hundred dollars is enough. And okay, will, and I'm I, good. By the way, that I'll start putting that in a little kitty that will pay for the steak at Ruth's Chris there in case go. I'm wrong. There Take you go. Now we're road. talking. Now we're talking. All right. Cowboy ribeye coming on up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Austin Lane in Vegas. Go get in line, sign some autographs, whatever you do. But uh, we'll check back with you in about 90 minutes. All right, sounds good. Talk to you guys later. All right. Uh, hey, Johnny Box, don't go anywhere just yet. No, I'm just taking the headphones off. you got to go, right? No, i got or, time. You I, 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 I've got plenty of time. you got I 10 more minutes? Around. Absolutely. All right, stay with us because yep. I also I seriously do want to get a lot of people driving this weekend. Yeah. Got to get an update on those fires. Good news. Just a little good noise. News. Good yep. news there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do that. Now, talk a little sports with John Bachman. Get him out of a, his comfort zone, mm. which might be his comfort zone. Who knows? We'll do it next on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and on your smart speaker. Hey, we'll get back to Vegas in a little bit with Austin Lane. Good to check in with him. And I don't think he's actually going to play the play roulette like in the next 90 minutes. <laughs> so we'll get an update on that on Tuesday. Well, it's to- Vegas. It's not like there aren't tables available. I know. I don't want him to do it now, though. I almost want to drag the, drag my $100 out over well, the weekend. Why don't put it on the Jags or something? That's not a bad idea. Have him put it on the Jags. I saw the Jags were sixteen plus 1,600 to win the Super Bowl. I don't so, know what that means, to be honest. I don't so know. If you, what put, are, what if you put $100 on right. you, it's 1,600. You so win 1,600. to 1 odds? Is that 16 to 1 odds, basically? Yeah, I think that's the way it Which would is work. middle of the pack, really. It's that's actually not, not bad. That's pretty. Yeah. That's more respect than I thought they'd get. There were some right. people saying it was too low. Yeah. Um, or too well, high, too high, maybe. But uh, I don't know. Some people are probably saying each. I, I thought that was kind Which of means pretty it's probably good. right where it needs to be. Yeah, like Cleveland was like plus 800. Oh, are we going to be closer to 2017 or closer to 2018? That's the real question. Yeah, and it could be right in between. Exactly. Yep, <laughs> That's, could be. All right, John Bachman, right. Yep. CBS 47, Fox 30. you got to go do the news in in an hour. Update us on uh, – we're going to talk sports with you in the next sure. five minutes and yeah. then get you out of here. No problem. But uh, the, the my mom called – I actually didn't even know what was going on, really. Wow. And my mom called me that. I didn't. Don't tell me that. Well, I don't go north. I didn't know how exactly where it was. Like, I saw the video, and I saw – but I didn't know exa- how close it was. And so right. my mom called. She's like, are you all right? The fire – you know, I was like uh, – uh, yeah, down in my house, like I'm south of Jacksonville. It's like I'm okay. I hadn't been up by the airport or anything in, in recent in the uh, last uh, week or so. Right, but obviously big deal. Shut down 95 north and south, and now back open. Right, now back open. That's the good news. Um, the the fire's still burning. They're still working to get it controlled, uh, contained rather. I think it's about 600 plus acres, and um, the wind has started to settle down a little bit which is good now they, so they've reopened 95 it's clear it's good to go the, the the problem is it could settle the smoke could settle tonight as as the temperatures cool there's some science behind it but the bottom line is there's always that possibility that it could 
be forced to close again. But they're being extra careful because several years ago on 75, yeah. smoke blinded folks, and, and there were, I think, 10 people died in a, in a nasty crash on 75 several years ago. So they don't want to take any chances. That's why they closed it last night, and um, and then now it's reopened. So things are things are better up there right now. What uh, This is a busy travel weekend. Yes. So obviously yeah. timing is not good there. It's about to get blazing hot. It already kind of is. Yeah. yeah this yeah, weekend is gonna, this weekend is really going to be bad. But I mean, yeah. like when Boris shows the the forecast, yes. now it's like it's beat red. Yes. On the color graph. Yes. That's so right. That's right. It, we have we don't really have much relief in sight. Is my point. No. No. There's no rain forecasted for the next week or two. Uh, no real rain. Um, and and it's going to be in the 90s pretty much the entire time. Um, obviously the humidity is what it is but it's it, the air is dry and there's no rain in sight and so these these fires could be more common for sure all right uh, you're a news guy let's talk some sports for a minute or two before you have to go talk about news you uh you you baseball guy right i am a baseball guy or at least i was yeah did you play some college ball a little bit where saint olaf college where is that that's in northfield minnesota about 45 minutes south of minneapolis and you're an iowa Home guy of college cows colleges and contentment <laughs> That's what that's what's on the sign. It is on yeah, the sign. That's on the sign, baby. That is fantastic. Cows colleges in containment. Look it up. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I thought you were kidding. I wasn't. I'm serious. <laughs> And, and that's and that's a fact. There are cows colleges and containment. Saint Olaf and Carlton College. Arch rivals in Northfield, Minnesota, home of Jesse James. They have a bank robber a bank robbery there in Northfield. Very famous huh. shootout. I've heard so of that. So they have guy. Jesse James days in Northfield, Minnesota. How about that? Yeah. Interesting part of the country, I there would you imagine. Go. More than you need to know. No, I, I, that's what I wanted to know. Yep. Uh, I grew up in Iowa, so a big Hawkeye. Big Hawkeye fan. All my friends, but a like lot of my football, friends went to Iowa. Basketball, like, yeah. which one did you guys like growing up? We both. More passionate for because it's a both. basketball. I was a basketball player myself, so I didn't play. I played football when I was younger. I didn't play in high school. So for me, I was a basketball fan, but I, I mean, we cheered on the Hawkeye football team as much as anybody. I yeah. mean, you know, everybody says the the South is the football capital. You know, yes, it, it's probably not quite like Alabama football in that regard, but I always take their football seriously. Absolutely. You yeah. wanna you thought Hawkinson would have been gold, huh? Oh, I was looking forward to that. I mean I can see why they picked Allen and I'm in certainly as a Jags fan that was probably the right call, but I was hoping he was coming. So what uh, you obviously have to cover the news a lot, but do you will you go home and watch like an NBA game? Absolutely. Uh, so I listen to a lot of times I'll listen to the NBA the late NBA game on my way home at night after the eleven o'clock show. By the way, good tease right there. You're so good at this job. Uh, you can listen to the NBA finals right here on ESPN six ninety. There you go. That's right. <laughs> and so I I do that and then if it's still going, I'll turn it on. Uh the West Coast baseball games. Um our good friend uh Alan Verlander's a big Dodgers fan. And yeah. I've I've you know, this with this shift. It's easy to watch the the Dodgers games. It is funny. We will often right around eleven twenty when I go out there. The games are often wrapping wrapping up, and yep. so Tanika and yep. Mike Borish and and you kind of there's a TV right through Borish's office. Shh, don't tell them. And uh, <laughs> we kind of will be eyeing that during commercial That's right. breaks. Right? That's right. We're locked in. That's often. right. Absolutely. And in the yep. NFL season. And in the NFL season or the college, you know, college season, all those things. Yeah. Have you had to ever cover? Did anybody need help in any of your stops to cover? Sports, sports, Atlanta, oh, a lot, a lot of times. I, I, well, I believe it or not, I anchored the sports in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you on did. a fill-in basis. Absolutely, I ah, did. Ah, that was fun. During the uh, during the high school basketball championships, they, the 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 actual sports guys would go and and cover the games. They 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 we carried them live, 
And and so somebody had to do sports, so I was the guy for that two-week span where I'd go out and shoot the stuff and my shorts and the T-shirt, and then I'd come back and leave the shorts on and put the the, the dress shirt on. Did you and, have and a catchphrase? You know, I don't believe I did. No, I, I know no boom no, goes the dynamite no, for I you. I do boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> um, I, I don't recall. I, I remember thinking I should have one because that was back in the day. Speaking of boom, boomer, you know, he yeah, had, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Berman had all those great things. But no, I don't think I did. But I, and I covered the Super Bowl when I was worked in Raleigh, and I covered. I have, this is my family, you know, the Stanley Cup Finals when the Hurricanes won oh, yeah, it yeah. back in 2006. I was there for that. I got to to hold the cup. And Were you on parade duty? I did not have to do the parade. Really? I don't I don't remember how I got out of that deal, but I did not have to do the parade. I was kind of disappointed. I kind of wanted to do the parade, but I didn't have to, so I was able to watch that. Um but yeah, the uh the uh the Panthers in the Super Bowl in 2000, was that 2005 when they played in Houston? Um, it was against the Patriots. It was one of the yeah. last, the, well, like last well, seven because that would have that was here. Oh five was here, so maybe yeah. it was in so oh, f- maybe it's four or six. Yeah, when was it? Oh six. Maybe it was six. Man, that was six. a good year for for uh, Raleigh sports. It was. And then I went and covered um, some Duke basketball, you know, in in Raleigh. So I did a lot of that, and then in the Braves, I covered a couple of Braves Braves playoff games. Yep. Um, and and actually college football in in Atlanta, a lot of you know championship type type stuff. Yeah, and, we go. Yeah, no, I, we do a lot of sports stuff. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, we'll go do back to do news. Uh, fact or fiction, real quick. Yeah, hit me. Um, you have somebody that puts on your makeup every night. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great. This is no. I I yes, I do have somebody. You're looking at them. I put on my own makeup. So when I worked in Atlanta, we had somebody actually do our makeup. You did? Oh yeah, we sat in the chair and they, they and they spray down like you were Damn, like you were I'm being. I'm so jealous. I gotta go work in a bigger market. So I did that, but but let me let me tell you the funniest thing. Everybody asked me, well, you do your own makeup? I say yes, I do. And they're like, well, how'd you learn how to do this? Your wife teach you? I said, no, my wife didn't teach me. My dad taught me. <laughs> my dad taught me how to put on my makeup. <laughs> your dad so was in the I grew up watching my dad put on makeup. Is that is that is that odd? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds odd, but yeah, how long does. did your dad do this? Forty years. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And where? Do you, where is it? All Iowa? No. He um, he started in uh, he started in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Then he went to Chicago. Worked with uh, Greg Gumble. Oh, Greg yeah? Gumble was a sports yeah. guy. In fact, Greg hooked me up when we were in Houston covering the Super Bowl. He, he was doing the doing the game. So I got some really cool behind the scenes stuff that's with cool. him, which Very was cool. great. I mean, he didn't know me from anybody, but I told I him who dad, I was. Yeah. And knew my dad. He was great. Uh, so he worked in Chicago with Greg Gumble and Jane Pauley was his co-anchor on the weekend. Really? At WMAQ in Chicago, the NBC affiliate. How yep. about that? And then uh, from Chicago, he went back to Cedar Rapids. That was an odd move career choice. I was going to say him. Chicago to Cedar Rapids. Well, it's a long story, but basically he was the weekend guy in Chicago, thought he should have gotten a promotion of some kind. I don't know what it was. And they offered him the main job back in Cedar Rapids, and so he decided that was the way he was going to go. All right. And then he went to Minneapolis, and then Minneapolis back to Des Moines. And that's where he's, Des Moines was like 20 plus years. And by the way, Minneapolis, always, along with Dallas, two of the best TV markets in the country. Minneapolis is a good market. At least historically, yeah. right? Yeah, it's mean, a good market. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of good ones, but yeah. I mean, Minneapolis probably people wouldn't say they'd say chicago new york la yeah. right yeah. dallas but minneapolis right up there always been good very stuff. very good yeah all yep. right go uh, go do some tv we're right, gonna man. go hit a break but uh, thanks for stopping by this is fun we gotta do this more often anytime austin's seat is empty i'll come uh, for, even for a if it's, it doesn't matter if it's empty or not just a quick walk up the stairs That's right absolutely you're in great shape you can handle it <laughs> uh, hey more to come we'll get back to some football and also a cool story out of nascar that has a little local tie coming up next on espn 690
Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks to uh, John Bachman for stopping by. Checked in with Austin Lane. Uh, we'll do that again from Vegas in just a little bit. Back to the football talk in a moment, too, uh, with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, of course. But uh, And some more Leonard Fournette talk. Gardner Minshew on the horizon. An update or two. Creekside in the state championship game in Class 7A, down 2 to nothing early in that one. So hopefully they can rally. Uh, I think they were down yesterday in the semifinal before coming back. So hang tight. They can make a comeback. And JU Baseball, playing in the A-Sun tournament, is now t- still tied 1-1 to with Stetson. And that is the third consecutive game now that's gone to extra innings for them. <laughs> They've won the first two. They're in the 12th inning, one-to-one. I mean, that's a lot of extra baseball. That's a whole lot of sports right there. Yeah, that's a lot of extra baseball and a lot of taxation on your um, bullpen. So in, in these kind of formats, so it will be really crucial, I think, for them to win this game. So they get to the championship game. That's one reason. But so they don't have to go back through the loser's bracket, maybe play an extra game or two uh, with probably the way their uh, pitching staff has been taxed. So give me an update on those uh, as we continue on. But right now, we're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR and a cool program that has a local young man involved in NASCAR and call it an internship if you want, but we'll let him describe it uh, a little bit more in detail. His name is LeSean Ely, and he joins us now here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. LeSean, I hope I said your name right. I think I got it right. Is that correct? Yeah, you got it right. All right, good deal. Uh, hey, NASCAR has this pretty cool program. It's called NASCAR Drive for Diversity National Pit Crew Combine. Um, and it's the Drive for Diversity program. Tell us a little bit about how this process went for you. Uh, where are you from in Jacksonville, and and how excited are you about this this opportunity? Yeah, I'm from the south side of Jacksonville, and um, it, the program is is really cool because it, it gives you a hands on. It gives you a hands on look at the things that they're doing in NASCAR, and it shows you how to do it and how to be the best at it. So and it, and it, they really push you really hard to actually do this do the things right and do the little pitches to the small details and, all, and stuff like that. But it's an, it's a really good program. It's uh it's twelve collegiate athletes that get picked from all across the country, if I'm reading it correctly, in a six month program. How was this process? Yeah. How did you become one of the twelve? I mean, that's not uh, doesn't sound like an easy application process. Oh no, it's not. I, well, the program is more about desire because you know NASCAR is not really a big a big sport, and 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 people from my background is not is not a big sport in their in their lives. And when they brought it up to my school, and they were telling me about the opportunities that you can have, and the the, the way that the way that they integrate you into the into NASCAR, and how they do it, how they teach you in the program, it it, it just fits. It just fits. You know what I'm saying? It just fits. me. What's the fit for you? Are you a big NASCAR fan? Was this an opportunity to get into something that you said, hey, you know what, maybe this is for me and I'm going to try this out? Give us a taste of, of your approach to what you're about to do. For me, for me, basically, it was um, when I went out to the school, when they came out to the school and I did the combine, I, you know, I, was, I was already good at the physical part, and they were telling me that it was going to be a challenge. You know, I like challenges, and they were telling me that it's going to be a challenge to be able to because it's, it's a lot of skill involved, so... It's a big challenge for me, and then when I came in, when I came in, I didn't know anything about NASCAR, and then they were explaining to me how 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 many opportunities they have for traveling around the world and being.
being a part of these big teams, and it was just, it just fit. It just felt it just felt right. So what happens from here? Uh, what's this next six months going to be like? This next six months is a lot of training, a lot of hard work. That's that's basically what they told me. It's a lot of a lot of training. It basically you get out of you get out of it what you put in. So if you don't work hard, you don't get much out of it. If you work hard, you get a lot out of it. Uh, now, do you uh, do you know these other people involved, other students? Uh, is this just going to be hey, are you working together with them, or, or is this kind of your own separate deal uh, with what you get to do with 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 this project? Well, in the beginning, for the first six months, it's more individual because you have to work on, you have to focus on being good at your job. And then once, once you get, once you get a little bit better at your job, then they start integrating you into a team, integrate you more into a team like mentality. You know what I'm saying? What? So uh, once you, oh, no, go once ahead, you sorry. get good at your job, once you get good at your job, then you can start working together. I got you. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so after six months, maybe a year from now, whatever, do you think you'll you try to pursue a career in NASCAR? Uh, do you, are you starting to feel that at all, or what? Yes, I actually am though. Because when I first got when I first got near that tire and I got under it, it felt it felt like I could be really good at it. Like it felt like I could really be good at it. The hand-eye coordination—that's the type of things I'm good at. So I think if I work pretty, work really hard, I could have a nice career in this. Oh, give it. Give. What's it like? What's it like being uh, in, in a pit crew? Uh, what's it take? Uh, you said you already got the physical part of it. Um, yeah. but I'm sure there's a, there's also a, a work ethic part of it, a mental part of it. Um, you got to be quick at it. We haven't done that, quick. man. You have, what's, what's it like? Well, first of all, you have to be quick and you have to, you have to think on, you have to think on the run really fast. So you have to do everything really fast. And once you get up there, it's about repetition. Getting better is about repetition and doing it right. is about, you have to get that muscle memory down. You have to, it's all about precision. So you can't rush through it. You have to take your time, get it, and then once you once you start to get it at a slower speed, you start to speed up. So. Now, did you went to Alcorn State, right? Yes, sir. And uh, did you play football there, or did you play football just in high school? I played football at Alcorn State. I played safety. Safety. All right. Uh, how was yes, that? How was that experience um, coming out of high school in Jacksonville, going there, and and how was your career? Oh, I love football, man. So any any time I get to put on my cleats and go on that football field, it's, it's a great day. So. That's, that's all I can say about that. Football is football. I love it. It's a great game. You a Jags fan? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Big Jags fan. All right. Well, get, break it down for us. Give us some analysis. What do you think is going to happen in 2019? You like Nick Foles? You like the fact that they got him? You got uh, Leonard Fournette trying to come back from a bad uh, year? Uh, give us a little. Be sports guy. Forget about NASCAR guy for a second. Be sports guy <laughs> for a minute. Yeah, I really I really like Nick Foles. I really do like I really do like him. I know our defense is going to be good. I just... I just hope that we're going to have some receivers that Nick Foles can actually throw the ball to. And I'm really excited about the pick of Jawan Taylor, though. I like, I like him. I watched him at Florida. He was a really good, really good athlete, especially hey. at the offensive line position. Very good. Uh, good stuff. How much in this, uh, to back to NASCAR for one minute, then I'll let you, you let you go. And appreciate taking a few okay. minutes and uh, excited for you. Glad you have this opportunity uh, in the 2019 NASCAR Drive for Diversity National Pit Crew uh, Combine. Uh, how much is a guy like Bubba Wallace talked about from a diversity standpoint? Um, is he used as an example? We've talked to him many a times down at Daytona about it, but uh, it's obvious a sport that the, that you know has more and more minorities involved, but not a yeah. ton of them. So, yeah. uh, is Bubba Wallace kind of the person that that people refer to all the time? Yeah, well, they talked about they talked about him a couple of times, but more more we're talking about uh, Rocco. I don't remember his last name right now, but he was he was he was a pit crew member and he's been showing us around. 
taking us to the track and you know, driving us around and stuff like that. And he had a big splash in, in, in the NASCAR, so I'm, I'm feeling like I can do the same. Awesome. Good for you, man. Uh, LaShawn Ely uh, from Jacksonville getting a chance to be in the NASCAR Drive for Diversity National Pit Crew Combine. Hey, I got a feeling maybe someday we'll be doing a story on you for ESPN 690 or CBS 47 and Fox 30 around the Daytona 500. That'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, I hope so. All right. Good for you, man. Uh, good luck with it, and thanks for jumping on with us for a few minutes. Oh, thank you. All right, LaShawn Ailey, uh, in a really cool program, uh, NASCAR's Drive for Diversity. Uh, we uh, wish him the best of luck. That's pretty cool. Only a dozen college students uh, get the opportunity, and they're from all over, by the way. Virginia, North Carolina, Pompano, Pompano Beach, uh, Florida, uh, one from France, Alabama, Virginia, Hawaii, Virginia, Maryland, California, Mississippi, and throw Jacksonville, Florida, right in there with LaShawn Ely, uh, who went to Alcorn State. So what a cool opportunity good. to get hands on the machines like that and actually be part of the uh, the process and the training because that is a high-risk, high-volume, high-speed turnover job working in the pit. Yeah, no doubt. The, the pit crew, I'm, I'm getting a little more information on it, and um, the pit crew combine participants, it says, will attend the NASCAR Xfinity Series ALSCO 300 on uh, tomorrow at, at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So... You know, you get up close and, and personal with all this stuff, uh, which is a lot of fun uh, as well. So uh, busy uh, week in NASCAR because of uh, really in racing, the Indy 500, of course, and uh, Coca-Cola 600 is coming up on Sunday at 6 o'clock. You can watch that on Fox 30. And one other note, uh, and I wanted to get a thought from you on this, Scott. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but NASCAR Hall of Fame class of 2020 includes uh, Bobby Labonte, Joe Gibbs, you know, uh, football and NASCAR guy's done pretty well. And he's, he's done all right for himself. And Tony Stewart, who obviously is a car owner now, but was one of the bigger names in the sport for more than a decade, uh, probably some 15 years. Uh, any surprise that, like, Tony Stewart already is in the Hall of Fame? And I had somebody ask me this, and the reason I bring it up, and do you think, do people remember Tony Stewart for the incident on the track where, uh, another driver got killed. Uh, do you remember that from a few years ago? I vaguely remember the incident. I don't remember the particulars of it. Uh, okay. Stewart racked up a couple of championship cups, didn't he? Uh, listen, he was, he was one of the best drivers out there. Um, and also, like a personality, he's kind of the personality that NASCAR might be missing a little bit. You know, he's the guy that can play the polarizing figure. You either love him or hate him. Honestly, I remember him best from a number of commercials that he had done. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was curious to see, uh, just kind of like I want. I did have somebody ask me that, like, hey, should he be in after that incident? I mean, he there was no, there was no wrongdoing, I don't think, on his part uh, in in what they found. Um, now there might have been a civil suit against him, if I remember. Yeah, but correctly. do you really but, want to define his career by a particular incident, a particular tragedy? If he's done so many other things. By all means, don't dismiss it. It's certainly something that's gone into his whole history and story. But that's by no means the definition of who he is as a driver, as a competitor, or as a legacy within the sport. Yeah, and I agree with you there. That's the thing. I, I was curious just to get someone else's opinion because I kind of agree with that. I, I I think it's part of the story, and things are always part of the entire story, if you're interested. Um, but from a – take that incident away. If you say Tony Stewart in the Hall of Fame, say, oh, yeah. No doubt, right? That's going to happen. Uh, so it does not impact that whole situation. Didn't impact my view of Tony Stewart from a Hall of Fame driver perspective 
Um, oh, no, by no means should that disqualify him. Yeah, and I will say, I said just said a moment ago, it is what NASCAR is missing a little bit. They need those personalities. We talk about this a lot in recent years. They need the kind of the old guard is now being recycled into new young drivers. Uh, Brad Kozlowski is this way in NASCAR where he is that polarizing figure. Uh, you don't have enough of them. There are too many. I, I grew there are up too in many the golden young, age of Earnhardt, guys. so uh, well, that's the, thing. the most hated driver on the field, and everybody hoped that he was going to take that checkered flag just so that they could be sure to see him in front of them because they damn sure didn't want him driving up behind them. Yeah, Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski have a little bit of. Um, Kyle Busch has a lot of that in him. He's very polarized, but you need more. You need young guys to come on the scene, but you've got to first uh, probably gain a sense of credibility before you can do that. Uh, but no doubt they they need more of it. They need more personality. There's too much almost clean cut young guy in NASCAR right now uh, and good guy. <laughs> but you always hate to say, like, hey, you're a good guy. So you're not working out. <laughs> you're not doing a good enough job. Can we, can we get a little scandal? Can we get a little incident? Uh, yeah. Can we get a little bit of a story going on here, please? It feels that way. And, and there's a lot of effort in NASCAR right now kind of going through this transformation and, and trying to. To find the right mix uh, of NASCAR, and, and I'm all for it. I've been a, a defender of theirs. I know it's not what it used to be. I, things change. But NASCAR can still be very successful, and I love the Daytona 500 and obviously Coke Zero 400 uh, coming up in summer. It's going to move, by the way, uh, to later in the schedule starting in 2020. All right, let's get back to football. When we come back, take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on. Gardner Minshew coming up in just a little bit. A little more on Jaguars OTAs from week number one next on the show. This is Annika Sorenstam, and I'm a World Golf Hall of Famer, and you're watching Action Sports Jacks. And you watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47, on Fox 30, and also right here on ESPN 690. Glad to have you along listening in the car, ESPN 690 AM, maybe streaming from work, ESPN690.com. But you can also use the video platforms that we have on YouTube, ESPN 690, on Twitch, ESPN 690 Jacks, on, did I say YouTube? YouTube is Action Sports Jacks, not ESPN 690. On Facebook, it's ESPN 690. And on Twitter, at Brent A.S. Jacks, which will uh, turn you right into Periscope as well. So uh, you can watch us. You can listen to us. And you can see the lid that Marcel Robinson now is trying to still wear, even with headphones on. I'm going to make this work. i, I, I got to make this work. It is one of the things about radio. Like, I've tried that before. I, I was wrestling. Remember the cowboy hat? Yep. Yeah, I tried to wear the cowboy hat in Nashville. That you purchased. That'll be made. Have you worn the cowboy hat since Nashville? Twice. You have? Mm -hmm. Out in public? Mm -hmm. In Jacksonville? Yep. I wear it in my house all the time, too. Well, your house doesn't count. Oh, I wear it in public. That's not public. I wear wear it out in public as well. I own it. Like where? I own it. Uh, I don't remember where I went. I don't think I went to a store or anything. I think I might have gone to pick up my daughter from school, maybe, with it. And I don't remember the other time. But I know I've worn it out the house twice since. Did, Did people start singing the song? Uh, once, just once. Once, mm-hmm. like natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> oh, wait. And now you get. Uh, we now got shades ready. on too. Now we're ready. I'm not so so sure Scott's aware of the shades, but Scott's Scott's aware of my swagger. Every, everyone's aware of my swagger. He's Come styling on, and profiling, man. See, Scott knows. Everybody knows this. Uh, you've been out at OTAs. Yep. All three days, right? You're a perfect attendance. I am. So is the sun. <laughs> are you are you complaining about the heat? Uh, no, not really. I mean, look, we all know that in a matter of 
you know, weeks to a month, it's going to be terrible out there. This is pretty much like a warm up. So it's actually not that bad, to be honest. Um, it's hot. It's Florida, people. Yeah. Stop complaining. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's beautiful most of the year. Yeah. And then in a couple, we're actually lucky it didn't get hot till now. Yeah, I mean, true. we basically had one hot week up until now, I think, this calendar year, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're lucky. But you know what? Suck it up. It's it's Memorial Day in Florida. It's going to be 90 degrees out, and w- next week's going to be 100, and that's rather, what happens. I would rather deal with 90 degrees today in the next few weeks rather than the negative temperatures that we experienced in Minnesota for those four to five days. Oh, uh, yeah, that was not good. Mm-mm. All right, uh, what's your takeaway from the OTAs? Well, give me something. Give me something without giving too much. Um, <laughs> you saw I, two big – you were there for the two big plays. I was there how, for the two How big beautiful plays. were the play from Nick Foles to Keelan Cole and uh, Nick Foles to Chris Conley for an 80-yarder. You said mm-hmm. it was an awesome throw. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Jaguars shot that, and we'll put some video out there on Jaguars.com a little bit later. They might yep. already have, yep. but uh, two beautiful plays. I think that the play from Nick Foles to Chris Conley was probably one of the best throws I've seen on that practice field in quite some time. Really? It was uh, saying a lot. Tight spiral up and down the field, hit Conley in stride, and it was one of those where kind of everyone was. We were along, you know, the the end zone, and some people were watching from the stands, but uh, everybody was out their seat. I mean, everyone just jumped up. Um, and the and the Keelan Cole catch was just as just as spectacular because it's kind of one of those things we've been wondering like, hey, where's where's Keelan? There's been an APB out of him since the New Eng- the uh, New England game. Yeah, um, been looking for him and and this was a contested ball, which is one of the things that everyone knew that he can get out in space, he can run under a ball, but could he make kind of the tough catches? And this one, uh, DB was right there with him and he snatched it from. Him. It's a great play. Well, and that's what. The Jags. I think they've got a guy that can throw the football. Mm-hmm. And by the way, mm-hmm. Nick Foles is not afraid to push it down the field. No, he loves it. Not at all. And I do think they need more of that. They mm-hmm. need the guy going to play 50-50 ball. And Chris Conley earlier in the week went and got a 50-50 ball on the one play I think that was out. Yeah. Um, and D.D. Westbrook talked with us yesterday about he gives you a chance to make the 50-50 play. Yep. And then you see it again today. So if that becomes a theme, I like that, especially if various guys are doing it. You know. Mm-hmm. The the guy that's been able to do it that most notable for us is Allen Robinson right. in a Jags uniform. I mean, right. that year he caught seemingly everything to the point, what did we say? It was like 75-25 ball right. cause he, because he was coming down more often than not with, mm-hmm. the, with the football. They need guys to go make plays like that. You need that in the NFL. I feel like we talk about it every fall and with the Jaguars. When, when they haven't been good. It's like you you turn the TV on on Sunday night when we're done with a, a long Jags day, mm-hmm. and all you see, maybe it's Sunday night football, maybe it's ESPN, maybe it's whoever, and, and you see, oh, this guy make a catch. Look at that catch. Look yep. at this play. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like we can talk about the quarterbacks all we want, but those aren't necessarily great throws. Right. That guy's going to make a play. Yeah. And so I, I like the fact that we've seen a little bit out of that, and – You've already, I've said it enough. Yeah, I'm not putting too much stock in this. I'm not saying they're going to do it in September. Right. But if we can trend toward that around here in Jacksonville with guys making plays, that would give, I think, me at least a little more faith and confidence in this offense. Yeah, and I think uh, I was thinking about this earlier today because uh, guys that we had not, not seen make plays uh, have been making plays, obviously Keelan being one of the big guys. And, and uh, DJ Charks made some, some plays uh, in OTAs. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where I'm one of those guys where I don't take much stock in it. They're basically wearing, you know, Shirts and hats, yep. for the most part. But at the same time, not your kind of hat. But well, you know, not not as stylish as me. But at the same time, you don't you you want to see them look good, and it's okay. Yeah, it's OTAs, but you don't want to see them look bad. Yeah, if that's they look fair. bad in OTAs, then you're really worried. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Um, but along the lines of the whole playmaking thing, I think now and look, 
I mean, we love Blake. We want everything to work. I think there's a little more. It may not necessarily be pressure, but I think for the guys that are lining up with Foles, I think there's a little bit more of an emphasis like this guy is, you know, Super Bowl MVP. He demands greatness. I got to step my game up type of thing. And I don't think we would have we don't really have that with Blake just because it was kind of, you know, you know what it was. Yeah, that's that. I like that. I like that take a lot because you got me thinking and I feel like, again, another guy we say that to like Seattle hasn't always had a great receiving core. You know, Doug Baldwin's a good player. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no longer going to be there. But they haven't had a good, great receiving core. No. Not, not, they haven't had the old Beckhams, the DeAndre Hopkins. They haven't mm-hmm. had those guys. But it feels like they make plays for Russell Wilson. They do. And when you have that guy mm-hmm. that has an expectation and also isn't afraid to tell you about it, too, right. you know, then he raises your level of expectation, raises the standard, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a that's a good point. You know, I I don't necessarily need the guy that's going to yell at you right. like Dan Marino mm-hmm. if you miss, or probably a Peyton Manning if you don't make the play. And I'm not sure Nick Foles is that guy. Yep, he's going to let you know about it, and you're going to know about it, just maybe not as vocally and loud and 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 obvious as some of those guys that I just referenced. But I think you brought up a really good point. This this guy probably demands a little more excellence. He demand we no doubt he demands respect. And it goes back to my overall riding theme this week when it comes to Nick Foles in Jacksonville is this is his football team. Yeah, it's nobody else's football team right now in Jacksonville than Nick Foles. Yeah, you know what I, I agree with that. It's, it's, it's that point I, you brought up earlier again. It's the maturity. It's not coming out with bluster. It's not coming out with swagger. It's coming out with confidence and expectation, but maturity that says you know. You can do this. You can be this guy. I've been this guy. I know what it takes, and I see it in you. You're this guy. Let's go do this. Yeah, and and uh, as I said earlier in the week, the last decade, haven't had that because you've had 21, 22, 23, 24-year-old guy on his third or fourth offensive coordinator uh, that is still trying to figure it out. Yep. And can't demand that if you're trying to figure it out still. No, no I agree with you. I mean, it's just like um – like we talked about when Calais got here, the defense elevated when you know Calais, and we have we have guys that that come in here and say, look, if you want to get to this point, this is what you need to do. And all those defensive guys, they bought in, and what happened? Immediate, you know, the defense is like, you know, the best thing we've seen around here in some time. And on offense, we just had, like you said, we just haven't had a guy to come in here and be that guy. Yeah, and uh, well, it looks like Nick Foles is that guy right now, and and uh, what it means, we'll see, but obviously a few good plays on the football field in the first week, including today, two big ones, uh, one to Chris Conley from about 80 yards, and then a 50-yarder uh, to Keelan Cole. We saw another Conley play earlier in the week. Uh, I'm going to check out Jaguars.com for some of the video elements of that. Uh, you should, too. I, I don't know if they'll put that out there. Some of the video they put out, some of they don't. Yep. I would think that's one or two plays you might want out there. Yeah, I think that, that uh, <laughs> we haven't seen a, a slow-mo tight spiral in quite a while so that one might make the real <laughs> uh fair enough i guess uh stop all the blake bashing hey, i mean I come blake. on i love blake blake's, blake's my guy you know that uh hey how about a, a little more well definitely gonna talk a lot more football austin lane joins us from vegas again at 5 15 uh maybe a little balling and falling I, I, I have a question about the nba that it kind of drove me nuts yesterday with the all nba team two things mm-hmm. i thought were really strange uh, I want to talk about it for a couple minutes, and then back to football. It's coming up next on ESPN 690.
Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You know, football is not seven on seven. Seven on seven is three hits, throw, five hits, throw. Real football is when you have to work the pocket, move, get hit, do all the crazy throws from, you know, bad hits and all that. But you want to always work on your feet, keep them moving. Well, there's Nick Foles, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, and uh, hey, he understands what this time of year is, and and I think that entire football team does. Um, part of the pacing of the calendar year in the NFL, and uh, Nick Foles has to do that uh, along with everyone else. That uh, one other thing you can't—it uh, hit me again today. It keeps hitting me about this football team. When we talk Blake Bortles, we talk about three or four offensive coordinators. Yep. Nick Foles doesn't have to deal with that. He doesn't. I mean, Nick Foles, see, I always talk about in life, forget about in football, you you have to be put in a situation to be successful. You know, if if we want this radio show to work, we got to be, we got to be, we can do all the things we can do, but we got to be put at least in a situation to be successful at it. We yeah. gotta, the, the mic's got to work. <laughs> you know, that, that the, is important stuff, for radio. Th- things like that, you know, in, in any line of business, in any line of work, if you have to... You have to have that collaboration, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a case at times in Blake's career, in Blaine Gabbert's career. They were not put in a position to be successful. I think you can, e- you can easily make that uh, claim. Yeah, and finally, I think they were a little bit more in that 2017 year. Why? Well, because the defense was elite mm-hmm. and because you had a running game. You invested in the running back, and, and you had that. So you, g- you gave him that opportunity. And also, I think I do believe Nathaniel Hackett helped that year be the offensive coordinator because there was familiarity for Blake. The one yeah. time in his career in Jacksonville, he had some familiarity. So it hit me again today as we were discussing it uh, before the show that, man, this guy's put in a pretty good situation. He's got the defense, right? He's got, well, a, an offensive line that's been invested in. A lot of dollars with the left tackle, I mean, left guard and Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder, uh, you gotta hope for some health and, you know, they did some things at right tackle with Jawan Taylor and even some other free agents, Obwehi to name one. Um, but really that offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know if he's been put in situation to be elite on offense because I don't think they have enough at tight end and I don't know if they have the, the kind of the guy they need at wide receiver. So I'm not saying he's been put in an unbelievable situation offensively. I just think he's been put in a good situation, especially that relationship with DeFilippo. Yeah, I think I would say that he's he's much better off and much farther off than any quarterback, any new quarterback going into a new situation that, that comes in with a new coordinator, mainly because obviously with his you know history, his track record with DeFilippo, he knows what he's good at, physically what he can do, what he prefers, what plays he likes, what plays he doesn't like, and and he can kind of design DeFilippo can come in here and design this offense around, you know, knowing those facts rather than, you know, OC coming in who has no idea other than what he's seen on tape. DeFilippo has seen him in person, in practice, seen what you know, his kind of tendencies and everything. And and it kind of makes, you know, the installation of the process obviously easier for the quarterback. And even like someone like Chris Conley, he said when he came in that him or yesterday when we talked to him, 
that he has kind of these signals and his hand signals and his calls and everything like that, that Conley knows that's kind of has him at an, uh, not necessarily an escalator rate, but it, he's in a better position. It's not brand new for him. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it, you can't understate those things because mm-hmm. of relative to what we've experienced around here in Jacksonville. Not we, I mean, really those guys, but what we've seen. And, and it's just a different situation at the QB spot. And I have said it multiple times on the show. It's, it's about as different all going all the way back to Brunel. As we've seen, it's a, again, Garrard had some things that were good and, and then he also had a really good year. Uh, and maybe Garrard is, can be relative to what the full situation is now. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, at times in his career, especially early on, like that 2000, that those good years, 2006, yep. seven. But, uh, it, it just hasn't been the setup for a good part of a decade now. Yeah. And the Jags are set up the best they've been, I think, at quarterback in, in a really, really uh, long time. We're going to talk more football and a lot of football uh, along the way, all the way up until 6 o'clock. But I want to get a thought or two. Uh, I know you got to go. You're going to be at that uh, walk-off charities event, baseball grounds, on the NBA. Uh, Bucks have a chance? I think they have a chance. Toronto's a rowdy place, and Drake is back. He, he uh, uh, Champagne Poppy is back in the building. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember, I think it was, I'm not sure if you were around, but we were talking to OTs on Tuesday um, ahead of Game 4 with Toronto. And Milwaukee, and I and I just had a feeling that just from watching the three games previous, that if Toronto found, I said if they found a way to win and tie the series up at two two, I felt like Toronto was going to win the series. And I and I know it's kind of, a, I mean, you know, the two best teams in the East, obviously, so it's not like a strange thought. But yeah, yeah, it's not I a just, super underdog thing. I just felt like you know Kawhi having you know the experience. Toronto's always been a play a team that has never had the playoff experience to get through the playoffs. Now they have that with Kawhi. And I like Milwaukee. They've got a nice team, nice core, nice supporting cast, but they've never really been here. And so I was just, I've just been kind of waiting for the moment to get too big for them. Um, I thought it was going to come in game seven. Um, but last night you, you could kind of tell. Um, and one thing that kind of really struck was interesting to me. I want to say within the last minute, they had Giannis on the bench and they were kind of saying that, you know, he didn't appear to be hurt. He appeared to be fatigued. It's like, Hey, bro, this is a yeah. This is pivotal. You know, you got to be in here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think it was a little bit more. He rolled his ankle. Well, the there. ankle I mean, too. I, I think that was it. You got a breather. But if but if you're gonna be my MVP, I need you to. It's been impressive at times what they've done to flash toward Giannis. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a uh, a situation in that game. I think maybe it was like three minutes ago. I can't even remember. But I'm tell. It was like they sent. The, the blitz mm-hmm. at a quarterback and yeah. a guy who's got no chance, mm-hmm. they sent four and a half guys. Like, I think he was right about the free throw line on this one possession, and they just had four guys jump on him. Yeah. And he had to dish it. So it's a wide open three in the left wing, and I forget who it was. Probably Eric Bud, so he Can't probably missed it. it. So mm-hmm. you've got to make that shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, if they're going to splash four guys at you, and that's what they're saying. They're saying, "All right, guys, see if you can beat us." Well, I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not getting paid by NBA franchise for being a a scout for any team. But if I can sit home and my on my couch and watch this and say, "Look, all you have to do is just really just play Giannis." You know, he's, I mean, he's going to get his, but put a heavy concentration on him and make the other guys beat you because they can't. I mean, Chris Middleton coming down the stretch, he's pretty much their go-to guy. Like he can make the clutch shots, but I mean, Brooke Lopez isn't going to give you that. You know. 25 a quarter game and Eric Bledsoe is still continuing to shoot them out of games. So if they're going to, you know, get out of character, let them be out of character and find ways to win and they end up turning into ways to lose. Yeah, no doubt. I got two questions for you. Yep. And we got to figure this out, try to figure it out. Okay. And, uh, from, let's go casual NBA guy. Yep. 
Who's the best player in the NBA this year? This year? Yeah. Kevin Durant. How the hell doesn't he make the first team all NBA? <laughs> uh, I mean, th- those those things are just wild to me. I, I mean, how doesn't he make the first team all NBA? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just like the same argument you have all the t- like the past what? How many years is why? Who's the MVP of the league? Yeah, LeBron James. So why doesn't he win it every year? Yeah, it, but it, this one feels a little different even than that. And and I was going to reference that, so thank you for bringing mm-hmm. it up. But hands down, LeBron James is the best player in the world the last eight years. Right. Yet he won like the MVP twice or once or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It, it, and that one is, uh, that one's, I still think that's a valid point. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. But this one even struck me more. Kevin Durant's never got more attention because LeBron's been out this year, had a down year, all that stuff. So Durant comes to the top, the forefront, and he's going to be the big free agent. Everybody knows he's the best player this year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And even when LeBron's around, if LeBron was playing the, his best basketball, he's the second best player in the NBA. There are five guys on the All NBA team on the first team. Mm-hmm. Like, so who should he should he have bumped Paul, Paul George? Uh, as much as as much and you're as a, an I know you're a City, City fan. Uh, yeah, I think so. But at the same time, I always feel like Kevin Durant's situation is interesting because yes, is he is he the best player in the NBA? Of course he is. He's he's the you know unguardable. He gets what he wants, but he still plays on a Warriors team that is the best team in the league without him. So it's kind of like. Uh, you, you, yeah. I guess it's kind of, it's kind of yeah. a, a, a double-edged sword because you want to say yes, he's the best player, but he 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 doesn't really. It's some I've heard someone say he doesn't have to try. Well, he has to try. I mean, that's why he does what he does. But at the same, he's not going to get the same type of you know notoriety for what he does as if he played for, like Giannis is you know talking about his MVP because he's playing in Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, and and you know what? In a way, I get the MVP or lack of MVP talk for Kevin Durant mm-hmm. because of your point. Mm-hmm. But how can you not say he's one of the top five players in the NBA? I just don't get that. The other part I don't get, I don't understand this. I really don't. I've, I've, I guess I've just heard more about it in the last couple of days. Like uh, Clay Thompson doesn't make the third team. Right. So now he can't get the Max Max contract. Supermax, but yep. he can get the Max contract, which right. will be about a $30 million difference. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've already found out that the NBA can't really can't really crown the real MVP. Right. Yep. The best player in the NBA can't be on the first team All NBA. Yep. And now you want my thirty million dollars <laughs> riding on if he makes the first, second, or third team? Yep. I mean, what an asinine way to do this. Yep. Why mm-hmm. is this done this way? I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I want to say that. I mean, it's not really a parody thing because it, it's all opinionated. It's all writers and everything that kind of sits down and kind of discusses these things. Sometimes I think a lot of that, you know, first team, second team, third team, that stuff gets. Uh, completely overthought uh, when they're picking these guys. Cause there is absolutely no way that Kimba Walker should be on any team before Clay Thompson. Just n- no. Yeah. No. And, and, and by the way, the Kimba Walker, th- Walker thing now is a big deal for Charlotte, right? Because yeah. of the max dollars. Mm-hmm. It might give Kimba Walker leverage mm-hmm. and obviously potential for a really, really big gun. I've never, I, I, I can't even equate this to anything in sports. Where like your all rookie team, all NBA team, your all whatever team dictates how much more money you might make. Yeah, it, which is yeah. such a subjective thing when it comes to awards. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it's I actually probably the stupidity of teachers being paid <laughs> on kids' test scores. But I, I I'm going to get political here, so I don't want to do that. But that's stupid too. Yeah, I think that the super the, it's it's very specific um, in the, quali- the what you how to qualify for is is very like 
intricate that not many players really even qualify. I think I think I want to say maybe like four or five people. I think Russ uh, Westbrook he got the super max. Yeah. But other than him, like maybe three or four, maybe Steph, maybe James Harden probably got a super max. But it's it's one of those things where it's you probably don't really know what the criteria is. I was gonna say I'm probably more ignorant to it than I should be. I gotta understand why that that whole thing. But face value that makes zero sense and yeah. to me if something logically makes no sense there's something wrong with it yeah. uh, and, and there might be a deeper reason for it or there might you might be able to argue against for it it sh- it still makes zero sense yeah I, I yeah i don't i don't really know how how you really decide i've always been one of those guys where the nba first second and third team it, it's I, it's it's all opinions obviously but i first of all i think it's wrong half the time for the most part um, typically the second, the first team is usually okay because that, that was, what's that? Best player at their position. That's the first team. But the second and third is when it kind of comes into play. Like, look, I love Kim Walker to death. I've loved, you know, his game since he came in the league. He just never had anything around him, obviously. But Clay Thompson is, is probably the second or third, if not the best two-way play shooting guard in the entire league. There's no way he should be not be on an NBA first, second, or third team. And it possibly cost them $30 million. Yeah, and I don't believe when they, not- they asked him, he said, uh, rings are more important. Yes. Clay, you got plenty of rings, man. $30 million is $30 million. Well, oh, by the way, $190 million is a lot of money, too, That's instead true. of the 221 That is true. It's still a lot of money. But it was crazy. I, I was surprised at that. Yeah. I, I don't pay attention to the ins and outs of that. It, it, it just really came up in the last couple of days, and I was like, what are we doing here? It's makes, laughable. Makes no sense. Uh, all right, we'll see you over at the baseball grounds. Yep, you will. First pitch, walk-off charities, and uh, I got... Here's the good news. When Dan hits, mm-hmm. you won't really have to follow much past the pitcher's <laughs> mouth. But you okay. better have that extender on when I hit. You know, I think I've had the extender on the past three days. So I think we're good. Foot- <laughs> football, softball, and, and baseball, I think we're, we're pretty much extended out. Uh, we are loaded up. Uh, I have to send an email to the producers tonight. We need a lot more time. We got a lot going on in local sports today. We're all over. I'll give you an update on the JU baseball game. Creekside was down six to nothing in the state championship game. We'll see if they can rally softball tonight. A little home run derby. Jags talk. Let's get back to Jags talking. Maybe a little balling and falling next on ESPN six ninety. Now back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety and in the TuneIn Radio app. CM Punk joins us right now. We really appreciate you joining us on the show, man. Thanks for hanging out for a few minutes. Oh, no problem, as long as we're not going to talk about golf. and I'm, I'm here to talk about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> My man. So, uh, aren't hockey players good at golf? <laughs> no. But, you know, you know, I mean, if you're a good hockey player at golf, it means you probably haven't ever made the playoffs. Brent, I hate to tell you, man, <laughs> but Happy Gilmore was not a documentary. <laughs> that was CM Punk and uh, on the show yesterday, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Had a lot of fun hanging out uh, with CM Punk, acting career, MMA, big wrestler, of course. Had some comments, by the way, on All Elite Wrestling and Double or Nothing coming up this weekend. Uh, talked a little bit about a comic book, new movie coming out. I mean, we had it all yesterday with CM Punk. He's, that was a lot of fun. He's all over the place. The man is bad and nationwide. And it's just an example. You never know who you're going to hear. You never know what's going to happen on action sports jacks yeah and was we are a little we were a little curious like is austin going to run into him in vegas is that part of the could that be a little bit of a turn because he was traveling to uh, to la yesterday cm punk was it was something he could neither confirm nor deny and would not (laughs) particularly address though he did wish a lot of good faith towards the uh 
AEW promotion, and um, All Elite certainly throwing out all the stops to make something happen this weekend. Our man Austin out there checking it out. Hey, uh, looks we got some comments on the Periscope feed, and Tristan says Axmen have their first game of the season on Saturday, defending national champs. So uh, I think that's over at UNF, uh, which it usually is. So good luck to the Axmen. Shout Go out to rugby. my boy Thor working hard on their squad. Ah, very good. You've got some uh, connections over there. A little bit, a little bit. Might be able to talk something up for him. I wonder how like football players, like like NFL, like Austin or somebody would be at rugby. It's like a different look, like. Rugby, to me, rugby players look more like wrestlers. You know, I'm talking like high school wrestling, college wrestling, not like WWE wrestlers. Uh, then like football players, you know, in terms of build and body. Now, the NFL comes in all different shapes and sizes, and I'm sure rugby comes in all different shapes and sizes too, but my mind has, the rugby I've seen, it feels like more of uh, the guy that's going to grapple with you on the mat. But there's an awful lot of that involved because there's so much involved in the uh, tackling takedown, and there's a lot of raw physicality. There's not much to hold on to in rugby as there is with like shoulder pads and things like that. You know, it's what you've got is a chance to grab a sleeve maybe and get your finger on it for just a hot second. But after that, you better grab your arm around that guy's hips or his knees or he's going to blow right past you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, welcome back to Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. A couple minutes, want to do balling and falling. Five o'clock hour, we're going to hear from Gardner Minshew. Also, I want to talk a little bit more about Leonard Fournette and the relationship with Terry Rubisky and how much that could help Leonard Fournette in 2019. And we'll also go back to... Las Vegas with Austin Lane, and I hear that he caught up with the world's strongest man. True story. Is that true story? Mark Mark, Mark Henry, Henry had the uh, record for powerlifting. Uh, talked to, uh, I believe it was like an Olympic athlete at one point, and a big-time star in world wrestling entertainment. Uh, but, yeah, credentialed world's strongest man. Ah, so how about that? Austin actually is doing work out there. <laughs> Breaking news. All right. The balling for me is it's too bad the Bucks didn't win last night because Toronto has Drake, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that's a mixed review. But the Milwaukee Bucks have this chugging a beer thing down, and it's a lot of fun. Where the Green Bay Packers, uh, uh, David Bakhtiari, um, who's the Packers lineman, he did it like two, I, I would say a couple of weeks ago, this kind of start. I don't know ex when the origin was, but it got kind of hot and going when he chugged, like the camera was on him and just chugged two, like look like 16 ounce beers, right? And uh, then he points across at Aaron Rodgers, who's also there with Danica Patrick, and Aaron Rodgers was like, nah, 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 I'm not getting into that. Well, last night, it became a real big thing because uh, David did it again. Chugged the two, pointed over at Rodgers, and Rodgers like slowly tries to to drink. It didn't go so well. And then star, Matt, Matt, star of the field, uh, star of Game of Thrones, but uh, not so much the star of the uh, power pour. Not so much, right? And then Christian Yelich was there too, and he did it. So I mean, they've got this thing going with the chugging of the beer. I mean, it's a it's a it's kind of a fun thing going on in Milwaukee with the stars. And then I think Matthew Stafford got into it right from like a bar uh, wherever he was, and he chugged it. So he's got a one up on uh, on Aaron Rodgers at least in the chugging department. <laughs> uh, so a lot of fun with that. I thought it was kind of cool stuff. So that's my ball. And now if they would only win and get back to Game Seven, yeah, I'm just wondering who else is going to 
be there. You've got Christian Yelich now. You've got Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if they just start filling up stars and celebrities in Milwaukee and uh, everybody's chugging a beer for that. But can you do that? Chug a beer. Can I? Could you if, if they oh. if they had pointed if Aaron Rodgers could you could you outdo Aaron Rodgers? Oh hell yeah! Can you? Oh yeah! I'm gonna be honest with you. I I think I would have been more like Rodgers. I, I I don't know I, if I'd get. I got I don't skills, know if man. I, could chug I got like skills. That. Um, I'm not sure. I, I I'm being honest. Like I think I can win this home run derby coming up here in a little bit today. I'm not sure if I'd win that contest. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'd do all right with the home run derby, but if uh, <laughs> if I got to put a couple of beers away, I'm your man. I'm not sure which one's better. <laughs> uh, well, probably. Hey, chicks dig the long ball, see? So maybe maybe everything's better. Um, I kind of just did my fallen, and that was the NBA stuff. So I would Marcel here. I uh, that I was. I don't get that whole situation. I really think Durant and, and the whole money structure based on uh, awards and all NBA team is a is a silly thing. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Time to take a break. When we come back, let's talk more football. Again, Gardner Minshew coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And back to Leonard Fournette in 2019. His relationship with Terry Rubisky. How valuable is it going into the 2019 season? Next here on Action Sports Jacks on a Friday heading into Memorial Day. Thanks for listening to ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jarrett Levine Studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Yeah, I mean, most definitely because, uh, like I said, it's uh, it's hard to make it out that city, man. And uh, for him to be doing what he's doing, he did it at a higher level for so many years. You know, I respect that, you know, and the same, I feel like he has the same for me. You know, making that one from him, he respect what I'm doing, and uh, the kind of just gel together. That's Leonard Fournette today talking about uh, his new running backs coach, uh, Terry Rubisky, who really hasn't been in that position in some 25 years or so, uh, coaching that position. But it's this relationship that is could be paramount for the Jacksonville Jaguars, could make it work on offense with Leonard Fournette, could refocus number 27 uh, a little bit in 2019. Brent Martineau along with Scott here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Leonard Fournette, Terry Rubisky conversation coming up. We'll get to Austin Lane who's out in Vegas in just a minute or two. But hey, it is Friday. If you didn't think summer was here before, summer is here. Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you're getting a good start to your holiday weekend. Have some big plans with the family. Maybe some cookouts and fun. Maybe hit the beach or boating. And if you're doing that, you're probably doing it in style with a little happy hour horn at 5 o'clock on a Friday. Recorded uh, Austin Lane doing, you know, grab a drink, take a shot, 
Tip, tip your star tender. Tip your star tenders. <laughs> right there. Hey, a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in Tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis Tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuis.com. Leave your troubles ashore. Live the island life with the citrus of the sea. Vita de Luis Tequila. Drink responsibly. Be safe this weekend, folks. Have a lot of fun, but make sure you are safe in the car, on the water, anywhere else. Uh, please do that. All right, back to football. Leonard Fournette, Terry Rabisky, this relationship, how much will it work in Jacksonville? And here's the deal. Both guys from New Orleans, both guys played at LSU. Now, listen, this is some 35 years apart. I mean, it's not like they they were buddies at high school. I mean, Terry Rabisky's been around the block. Uh, he said he just got rid of his flip phone last week. So he said that. Uh, and Leonard Fournette's obviously a young man, but if you heard at the top of the segment, Leonard Fournette talking about, hey, we both got out of there. It's not an easy thing to do is to get out of our neighborhoods where we got out of and have success. And so that they have in common. Uh, they, they have uh, back home in common. And that's a that's a good tie for, I think, Fournette. Fournette needed to find some. Uh, common ground, it feels like at least after last year. And, and whatever makes you feel more comfortable, makes you feel a little bit better, uh, I think is a good thing for a young player in uh, any professional athlete, probably any line of work, but any professional athlete, and maybe in this case, Leonard Fournette. Let's hear from Terry Rabisky, get his thoughts on Leonard Fournette and that relationship. Insert technical difficulties disclaimer uh, here. No problem. You tell me when we're ready, and we'll uh, we'll hear from Terry Rabisky. But I'll expand on it, and I have no problem doing so. Uh, again, this is a revamped running back running backs room for the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette's the only holdover. You know, Thomas Rawls, Alfred Blue, Benny Cunningham, uh, Raquel Armstead drafted. I mean, you got all these new guys. Terry Rabisky's old school, and. This was obviously a running backs room that needed a little bit more old school discipline, if you will, and not letting the guys just run wild. That's my take on it because they revamped the whole thing. They got rid of the running backs coach, and here we are. And so bringing an old school mentality, bringing a little bit more discipline, and then bringing that common ground to the guy that's going to be your bell cow, the guy that's going to get the ball 80% of the time, guy that has to stay healthy and be effective, as you heard from John Filippo earlier in the show, is this guy, we have to have him play well. We have to have him play. And if we're going to be good on offense, it's going to be because of Leonard Fournette. That's the feelings of John Filippo, the offensive coordinator. And Terry Rubisky can, uh, can really help make that happen for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know how much a position coach helps a certain player week in, week out, year in, year out. Uh, name your guy. Name like... I think I think Keenan McCardell really helps those young wide receivers. I really do. Uh, I thought Pat Flaherty came in with a pretty good resume to help the offensive linemen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But now Tim Warhop comes in and people are raving about him and think they can, they can get more out of this offensive line. I mean, Flaherty, in my opinion, was stuck with a pretty tough spot. He had 16 offensive linemen play. But they obviously saw something that they could get more out of Warhop. So maybe Warhop gets these guys playing well. I think the best, one of the best examples of, of saying, hey, a position coach really can make a difference is probably up in New England. The Patriots, when Dante Skarnecchia retired, 
they had some issues on their offensive line, so much so I think they begged him to come back, come out of retirement, be a part of it again, and, well, they saw success. So that's one of – we don't talk position coaches a lot, but that's one that sticks out to me where it's like, hey, that really made a difference. Uh, you know, Austin Lane talks a ton about a guy like Joe Cullen, who's a defensive line coach, and how those guys do make an impact. So I'm sure they do, but I think actually the Rubisky relationship – I'm not even sure if it has that much to do with playing football. Yeah, I don't think it has a lot to do with playing football. I think it has more to do with the relationship and getting to, uh, again, what I said is a common ground and, and relating to Leonard Fournette to put him in a better place year three uh, going into um, this 2019 season. Another, th- I don't think we're going to have the Rubisky sound. That's okay. Uh, we can we can circle back on it next week, or we'll be playing it on TV this weekend. You can see it there. Action Sports Jacks primetime on uh, 10:30 on Fox 30, 11:30 on CBS 47. There was another scene today after practice with Leonard Fournette that we can hammer Fournette about some of the things, the maturity issues. You we can debate how how great of a running back he is. I will say this, and maybe this is where he comes from, and again, kind of ties into Terry Rubisky because it's just about the same place where they come from, New Orleans. And Leonard Fournette, he gets it when it comes to kids, when it comes to the fans, when it comes to his role and how he's viewed. He knows he's a star. He's a big name. He's one of the, I think, the two names that really transcend Jacksonville when it comes to this football team, Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette are, are like national stars, and I, I maybe you can throw a Calais Campbell in there. We can start debating other guys, now Nick Foles, but I think Ramsey and, and Fournette have this star value to them that few guys have had in Jacksonville, and he gets it with the kids and the fans. We've been to multiple games on the road where you know he'll run over in, during warm-ups and give a fan a, an autographed glove or after the game, give him a cleat or whatever it might be. Just come over and take a picture. I think he gets that part of it. And we talk a lot about the, the things that Leonard Fournette doesn't do well or doesn't get or bad decisions. He gets that part of it. And he did it again after practice today. I was right there for it. And there were a couple of folks there. And there were some, there were some uh, invited guests to today's OTA. And he signed and took some pictures with these this little boy and little girl. And the little dude said, hey, can I have your cleat? <laughs> can I have your shoe? And he was like, yeah, no problem. So he takes off his cleats, he signs them, and and he gives them to him. And then he gave the little girl his gloves, and he signed them. You know, he took an extra couple of minutes to do that stuff. And I, I appreciate that about Leonard Fournette. I think that stuff is pretty cool that he understands that. Now, you got to remember, this is a guy that's been a star since he was like 12 years old. Now, he might be 24-year-old twenty four year old Leonard Fournette, but when it comes to understanding his stardom, I feel like he's like 36 years old. Now, when it comes to making good decisions, sometimes he's 24 years old again. But I think he gets that part of it. And I think that's kind of cool that, that he does well, He's using that. a celebrity for good in that respect. You know, he's, yeah. he's building a fan base because this little moment's going to make a fan for life. This is something that's going to touch somebody's life right there. But it also reminds him that he's not too big. To talk to people, to be a friend, to to come by and uh, give a moment back to a kid that's just staring up at him with wide eyes. And he's like, you know, hey, I remember what it was like to be a kid, too. I remember what it was like to have heroes and 
hey, you know, it's it's thank you for believing in me, and and here's a little something to show appreciation. Yeah, and he and, and the reason I bring it up a little bit, I have video of it on Twitter um, at Brent A S Jackson. You can see it, but. It's not a one-time thing with him. That's my point. I've been around it enough where he does more of that. It's not like a PR guy just came over to him and prompted him to do it. Like, he took extra time. Uh, you know, guys had – their time is their time. But he took some extra time today to do that and didn't say, no, nah, I can't give him my cleats or anything. And he, he gives you everything. <laughs> I mean, and by the way, that turf, he even mentioned it was pretty darn hot <laughs> once he took those shoes off uh, because it's 90-plus out there on the field today. So I thought that was cool. And it, it, there's, I I think we talk negatively about Leonard Fournette, and I've been I've I've done it at times. I mean, I, I thought last year was miserable. I, you got a captain, uh, uh, you got a C on your jersey. Last year was not a good look for Leonard Fournette. I mean, I'm not talking about speeding tickets and suspended licenses and stuff like that. I'm saying on the field that 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 C on your jersey elevates you. Uh, you have to. You have to be viewed differently. You have to view yourself differently, I think. And that scene with him and Yeldon at the end of the year on the bench was not a good look. But I also have said, we don't give him enough credit for what happened in 2017. And 2017, in my view, if you have Deshaun Watson, heck, if you have Patrick Mahomes, 2017 does not happen. 2017 happened in a lot of respects. Early in that year, things changed because of number 27. And I'm not I did not just say so don't don't take this the other way. I did not just say this team was better off for the next 10 years having Leonard Fournette instead of Patrick Mahomes. I'm telling you the third trip to the AFC Championship game in franchise history and now they're in 25 seasons of this franchise does not happen without Leonard Fournette. And I don't think you could have put any other player in that draft in there plug him in for the Jags in 2017 in that singular season. And they would have gone. I think he meant that much to the team, that much offensively, and that much of a threat, especially early on for teams to game plan and have a weapon and take some of the pressure off Blake Bortles. And I do think he also gutted stuff out in the postseason. He toughed it out in the postseason. He was playing hurt. Uh, so it's not all bad on Leonard Fournette. That's my point. And I think we have to remember that. And I wonder where it goes. I think you're going to get a Leonard Fournette playing with a big chip on his shoulder. I think 2019 is going to be a big year uh, for Leonard Fournette, and partially because he now has a threat at quarterback, and also he has an offensive line that also has a chip on their shoulder because that was a disaster last year too. So when you have a lot of guys hungry and playing with a chip on their shoulder in the NFL, I always like that recipe for success. And when the coach is looking at making some adjustments in the backfield as they're looking at this uh, fullback situation or a third down guy, that gives you a little versatility. And if they've got some people they can rely on in that, it changes up the formulas for the plays that you can run. It changes up the rotations. If they get some effective guys in a tight end who can also function as receivers, then you've got an opportunity at uh, having a breakout receiver uh, deceptions there. So there's any manner of resources that can come in. And as long as Fournette's on the field, if you've got all these other things to worry about, that's an opportunity to take your eyes off of him, an opportunity to take your eyes off the ball for just a second, and that's all he needs. Bottom line is he has to stay healthy. Uh, Jersey 2 Jack says Robisky is a career wide receivers coach. No good running backs coaches out there. Again, I don't think this was about the positional. I think this was more about relating to Fournette. I think that took priority, and the guy knows he, he can coach running backs. 
backs. Uh, I think when you've been around the NFL for 30 years, you, you can do just about everything on the offensive side, most likely. And I think that's what they viewed Terry Rabisky. I think they found a lot of value in the old school mentality, the discipline, uh, the veteran experience and the relationship with Leonard Fournette. I think that's why Terry Rabisky's here. Uh, I like the idea of it. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll find out uh, soon enough here in the 2019 season for the Jacksville Jaguars. When we come back, we go to Vegas, baby. $100 on black. Just one time on roulette. That's it. Austin Lane in Vegas. Reporter on location. And he just caught up with the world's strongest man. Mark Henry. I'm intrigued. Gardner Minshew interview coming up before we end the show here on a Friday. Hang with us. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690 rolls on. Hey, everyone. Juwan Taylor here at University of Florida, and you're watching Action Sports Jacks. Go Gators. He, he crazy. I'm going to start out with that. He's just one of a kind, kind uh, man, you know, uh, but he loves football. Uh, he takes it very serious, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page. And we believe in his his chemistry he's trying to build with us, and we're just going to flow with it. You know, me, him, and Nick, B. Linda, all the, all the guys on the offense, uh, we trust him, and he trusts us. That's Leonard Fournette talking about John D. Filippo as he started that soundbite with, he's got a little crazy in him now. <laughs> I guess you like that in your offensive coordinator. Um, maybe it will mean some uh, aggressive play calling, which we think it will with John D. Filippo. Brett Martineau along with Scott here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We are awaiting Austin Lane to call back in, but he's probably busy working because we are going to have his interview with uh, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, in just a little bit. But before we do that, Scott, while we hang on, because he could be tied up in Vegas, let's call a little bit of an audible. And how about we get the Gardner Minshew? I can do that. Uh, interview ready. Because I got to c- catch up with the Jaguars quarterback, backup quarterback, third quarterback, fourth quarterback. Who knows where he is right now? He's a six-round draft pick out of Washington State. And he's got like a, a, a just this folk hero deal to him where people love him. Absolutely love this guy. And I spent some time during the interview kind of trying to figure out why, <laughs> asking why, and uh, no disrespect. Just like, well, it, it's got to be more than the mustache. I mean, he's got a stash, but if if people loved you just for a stash, I think I'd grow one too. Uh, here's my interview with Gardner Minshew. You've been a little bit of a folk hero since you got drafted by the Jaguars. Are, are you okay with that role? Oh, man, I, I'm here to play football. Um, I guess, you know, people liking you is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, first things come first. got to be great out here to do all the other fun stuff, too. Uh, obviously, acclimation is not a, a, a new thing for you. You've been all over the place in your college career. What's the first couple of weeks like been in Jacksonville? Yeah, it's been a lot of learning, um, getting acclimated, getting to know these guys. You know, one of the good things is you're with the rookies all the time. So you really get to build that bond, and that's been a lot of fun getting to know all these guys too. What is Nick Foles like? A guy who's been through a lot of these battles, thirty-year-old guy. Uh, how helpful 
uh, to, for you to pick his brain. No, awesome guy. Not just football player, but guy. And that's the big thing. He's willing to help with everything, you know, on the field, off the field. Uh, great mentor, great guy to look up to. And he's going to help not just the quarterback room, but this whole team. Is When you learn a playbook, when you learn a new offense, is it is it the same type of thing? Everybody talks about terminology. Is this feel a little different as you learn this one? or? Yeah, it's different. But, you know, learning offenses, you kind of have your process of how you do it, how you learn best. And that's one of the things I'm doing doing now, you know, just busting my tail every day, studying, hitting the books. Got a group of rookies. We get together every night, go over scripts and stuff. So it's been, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. This is uh, just a few practices. Obviously, it's going to amp up uh, in August. It will amp up even more once you get to regular season stuff. But what's it like in the NFL? A bigger, faster, stronger? Do you fit in okay? No, it's been awesome. I'll tell you, it's a lot faster when you don't know what you're doing. But the more comfortable you get, the more you understand the offense, the slower it gets. And, uh, I mean, I feel good. I feel like we've all gotten a lot better, even just this first week, and especially the rookies from minicamp to here, uh, feeling a lot better, a lot more comfortable. You obviously come through your senior year, uh, your, your year at Washington State. Uh, we saw you at the Senior Bowl. You go through that whole process, the interviews, the flying around, the visits. Are you tired? Uh, have you had a chance to catch your breath and recover at all? Yeah, not much catching breath, but, man, you get so much new energy coming here, coming into a new place, uh, and I'm just so excited to be where I am. You know, so it's, it's hard to get tired, but I know this is a long year, uh, and she's going to try to keep that energy through it all. Does it mean something to you that whatever you did worked uh, to get drafted? Uh, I think Tom Coughlin mentioned when we had spoken with him after he drafted you that, that you guys kind of wowed him in the interview stuff. They really liked you. Does, it, does that mean something to you that you've been doing some of the things the right way to, to be able to get people's attention? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, through all my experience that I've gained, I've been able to kind of transform my process in the most efficient way I know how. And the things I do uh, just get better with more experience. So, yeah, it means a lot. It means I'm on the right track. But I definitely know I have a lot more to gain and a lot more to learn. What's it mean to you or, or why is it that people – like you so much have you figured that part out over these years yeah i don't know you know i think my my unique experience going to four different schools four different locker rooms i think you pick up different things of how to go in as a new guy how to earn the respect and how to just talk to different people and i think that experience has helped me a lot and it's gonna help me in this next chapter too so it's deeper than the mustache <laughs> there's no doubt it's way deeper than the mustache <laughs> is there a little pressure though to keep the stash oh yeah that's it's not even my decision anymore like the, it's it's 100 it's on the stash like he's calling the shots so i'm just along for the ride uh, and you know there was a 15 around here that's from here yeah are you aware of that yeah i'm aware i'm aware <laughs> Did anything go into 15 or is there something special um no nah, i mean this is, this is what they gave me and i'm definitely you know honored to rep it so we're here yeah uh one last one jacksonville probably a new part of the country for you and you've been all over east coast to west coast uh what are your first impressions oh i love it man I, I like having things to do i like going to the beach i like fishing i like you know you can go hunting right up the road so for a guy like me i don't need the biggest of cities but no, it's a city i really like and look forward to growing in it good luck man yeah thank you appreciate that uh, Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew uh, catching up with him, and, and he's been kind of a hot commodity to talk to in the first couple weeks ever since he's been drafted. But there is a likability factor. I think Tom Coughlin kind of enhanced that a little bit when he said that he, he was just awesome in the room and, and when they met with him. So uh, I think it's a uh, it, it, an interesting story. I, I will say this. Your first impression of Gardner Minshew, he's short now. He's small uh, in stature. He's he's six one listed. I'd be surprised he's six one. So, um, and it's noticeable because the other guys all look the prototypical quarterback. You know, Nick Foles is a big guy. 
Uh, even Alex Magoo, I think, is 6'3". or might be just a shade under 6'3". And then Tanner Lee is a big guy, too. Uh, so it's it's noticeable. I think so far out in that first week of OTAs, Minshew had a couple of good moments, but probably more bad moments than good if I was grading them. That would be my my guess, but that's okay. I mean, it's, well, it's that's, first that's one. the whole point of this is yeah. to find the kinks and then start working them out. Yeah, and I, I just don't know where he will sit long term uh, in, in the – franchise's plans but i the way i see the qb position for the jaguars is obviously it's going to be nick Foles, and you'll have a backup somebody's going to back him up i don't know if it's i don't think it's going to be tanner lee although he certainly looks a whole lot better than he did last year uh is it lee magoo is it Minshew? i don't, I don't think they're just going to hand it to Minshew. and then someone's going to be an odd man out and off the team but then that other person probably can sit on the practice squad i i think you can put any one of those three on the practice squad and people aren't going to try to just take them off there and pick them up and put them on their 53. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens. This is a guy that's been a lot of different stops from junior college to East Carolina to Washington State. Uh, he, he's really fascinating. <laughs> he had a lot of fun. He, he's not even his decision. Like, he has to keep the mustache now. Like, he doesn't even get a choice. Oh, he, he is the stash, or yeah. the stash is him, but either way. I mean, with Shad Khan and Minshew, uh, can, you, can you find two more Popular stashes. It's a gimmick, man. We got to run with it. Uh, we got to get onto this thing. Why aren't we doing this more? Uh, we haven't heard from Austin yet, have we? He's having some connection issues. I've got him on the line here. Let's see if we can get hold of him let's, and get him uh, get him this? going through. Let's go to break first. Can we do that and keep Austin waiting? Uh, so let's go take a timeout. We got another timeout to hit. When we come back, we go to Vegas. Hopefully, if the uh, connectivity works, and at the very least. An interview with the world's strongest man. It's not Austin. And it's certainly not me. But it's next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, congratulations on a good run for the Creekside Knights softball team. They lose, though, in the state championship game to Lake Region 8-3. to uh, Unfortunately, they got down 6 to nothing. Couldn't rally back, but uh, good season nonetheless. And also, you know, interesting note, Todd Wash, the Jaguars defensive coordinator, his daughter is a very good softball player, plays for Creekside, and she is headed to Michigan State. After her senior year, I think she led the city in home runs this year. Todd Watch's daughter. So uh, a good year for her. Good year for so many uh, for Creekside. Congratulations. Getting to the state championship game bid for the title falls just a bit short. Jacksonville University lost six to one in 16 innings down at the ASUN tournament that just ended. So Stetson scored five in the top of the 16th. Now, JU and UNF will play in a couple of minutes in the loser's bracket. Uh, someone's going to make it out of there and go to the uh, championship game, hopefully, uh, in, tomorrow and have a chance to get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> JU Baseball, they played 12 innings in the first game, 10 innings in the second game, and just played 16 innings in that one. One other score to pass along. Trinity Christian is playing in the state Final Four in baseball. They are losing, though, 7 to nothing uh, at last check. Brent Morton along with Scott here in Jacksonville. Austin Lane checks in 
from Las Vegas once again as he's getting ready for All Elite Wrestling's big event, Double or Nothing, out in Vegas and doing some work at the same time. All right, you got a good connection or what? What's up, man? Yeah, 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 well, we have a good connection now and everything. I'm sure there's a lot of people on their cell phones right now, so I had to find, I had to, I had to use one of my buddy's cell phones, but we're all good and ready to rock, Brent. So this is a huge event for All Elite Wrestling. Do you think uh, – you you explained to us when you, you got on with us earlier in the show, there were a lot of people on the plane when you landed. There were people in the airport. You can tell the yeah. All Elite Wrestling fans are out there at this event. You think this is off to a good start in terms of how big of an event this is going to be? Oh, it's it's an absolute great start. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. You know, it's funny because you think of Vegas and it's it's like the bachelor party and the bachelorette party destination, and those people are here too. But this is the first time I've been to Vegas. I've been here about five times now where I've seen wrestling shirts. I've seen the All Elite Wrestling shirts. I've seen the Chris Jericho shirts. I've seen the Kenny Omega shirts. I've seen the, I've seen the Young Bucks shirts. So it's kind of a cool scene to see in Vegas because it's not something you see every single day, right? So uh, it's kind of a different change of pace i think for las vegas but it, but it's a really cool thing to, 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 to witness here yeah that's uh good stuff and and you got big names because of this star cast which is totally different than the aew double or nothing it was it obviously was planned to coincide with this though right yeah yeah exactly so basically what Starcast is it's just one giant convention now it is featured by all the all Elite wrestling wrestlers um uh there's gonna be a weigh-in tonight actually i want to touch on the weigh-in a little bit here brent too because I kind of have a little prediction, and I'm trying to find uh, Tony Khan here because I think Tony Khan is about to do something here with this business um, that we haven't seen in a long time. So we'll touch on that a little bit. But getting back to StarCast real quick, it, it is a giant convention. So you see wrestlers from every era. Uh, you see the All Elite Wrestling wrestlers. You see, um, you see guys from the WWE as well. I got an interview with Mark Henry. Uh, I spoke with Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. Um, I talked to our friend, the Demon Bunny Alley. She, she gave us a great interview as well, so we'll share that later. Uh, so overall, pretty good first day so far. So, all right, well, you, you teased a little bit. What are you talking about I with did. Tony Khan, and what are you, what yeah, are you smelling well, here? Well, yeah, so I want to talk to him because no one's really mentioned this yet. Um, and even people that I've talked to, the fans of, of, of all elite wrestling haven't really mentioned it, but, um, kind of the trend that I've been seeing from all the wrestlers from AEW is, uh, they're all working out, but they're all, uh, it seems like they're all trying to cut weight, you know, um, even in their, some of their hype videos and everything it, it shows them talking about cutting weight and getting into shape. Um, we had hangman page in the studio and he was very adamant about that. And with the weigh-ins here, you don't traditionally see weigh-ins for professional wrestling, right? So what I think is uh, going to be announced here, maybe tomorrow or maybe down down the line, we'll see. But I think what they're going to actually have is they're going to have weight division. So there's actually going to be um, weight classes for, 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 for people to wrestle in. You know, so there's going to be like a heavyweight division. There's going to be a middleweight division. And I think what they're gonna actually going to end up doing is having these face-offs, having these weigh-ins. And if the guys don't make weight, they may not wrestle. Huh. Uh, you like the idea of it? I, th I think it's different. No, I think it's unique. Um, I think it holds the wrestlers accountable. So uh, I'm all for it. And you got to keep in mind too, Brent. Here, this is uh, all elite wrestling, where every every win or loss is going to count on your record. You know, I mean, traditionally in professional wrestling, you could win one week, you could lose the next week, and it didn't really count for anything. But what, what Tony Khan's trying to do is he's trying to make those wins and losses count. So what I see happening too is you know making the weigh-ins count and be uh, holding guys accountable as well. There's going. What other twists are we going to see in this wrestling? I heard some like. It will will Tony take his analytic background and, and kind of what he's done with Jaguars and putting that into use? Did I hear yeah. some numbers so, and stats and, and those kind of things that will be pretty evident uh, 
uh, in when we watch all elite wrestling? Absolutely. So I think that you know the biggest thing that Tony has done is it's his connections in in England. You know whether it's it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's the Fulham Football Club. Um, he has connections over there. What ended up happening is is that he got the exclusive rights for their TV company, and I can't remember what channel it is. Um, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to be ITV. Uh, and basically what ITV is, it's, it's kind of like the equivalent to NBC in the United States. So for ITV to pick up the All Elite Wrestling um, stuff, is, it's huge in, you know, in, the, in the country of England because now, I mean, that's, that's like being on ABC. That's like being on CBS. Now, it's on TNT in the States, which is still big, you know, because, I mean, with Americans, we, we watch a lot of television, so it's not that big a deal. But to have, uh, to have that in England, you know, to have that overseas, it's huge because the WWE for a long time was trying to get that deal, and they couldn't get it done. Well, Tony Khan enters and hasn't even had a, a pay-per-view match, hasn't even had a on-TV match yet, and all the wrestling's already in England. So it's, uh, it's a major step going forward. All right, set up this uh, interview that we have with Mark Henry. That's kind of cool. You caught up with him. If you arm-wrestled, Mark Henry, how quick would he beat you? You know what? I'm not. I'm not going to front Brent. But the guy is still big. Um, I'll show you some pictures later. But uh, I don't want any of those problems. And we will actually get into it a little bit too. So Mark Henry is a guy that I, I grew up watching and everything. Uh, he's the world's strongest man. Uh, he, he's an Olympian in terms of weightlifting. So he is quite the specimen. We talk about his weightlifting career a little bit. Um, I kind of asked him about playing. Why didn't he play football instead of wrestling? Because you see the guy, Brent, and I'm yeah. like. Oh, that, that's that's a nose tackle right there. <laughs> I mean, Marcel Darius reincarnated basically, right? So, um, so I asked about that a little bit, and we just talked some wrestling. It was a pretty cool interview. Oh. Hello. Uh, oh, hold on, we're getting to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With it. Okay. Blame yeah. that damn producer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did a good job teeing it up. Austin Lane here for ESPN 690, joined by the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I just got in, so I'm probably doing a little better than you right now. I mean, you've probably been here all day, right? You know what? I started pretty early, about 7 o'clock. You know, I do a busted open radio, and we had our breakfast with the buffet. We, we had our breakfast buffet with... With all the fans at uh, Sirius XM. I got you. I got you. So I got to ask you, man. I mean, you, you grew up in the powerlifting game. Uh, I spent five years in the NFL, okay? And and I see you and, and I see your frame and I'm like, how didn't this guy ever play football? Or how, how didn't you make it to, to the NFL? I mean, was it just more of the wrestling career path for you? Or what, what, what was the decision there? Well, I had to choose. Was it going to be football? I was the best in the world in powerlifting. And I had started doing Olympic weightlifting, and the Olympic committee said, wow, we, we really would like for you to move to Colorado Springs. We think that it with a little focus on lifting that you can make the Olympic team uh, in 92. And they were right, you know. So once I got a little taste of that international, it's all about you, uh, I, ch- I just chose that over football because that's, that's where my um, – where my bread was buttered. Fair enough, fair enough. And growing up, you were a huge Andre the Giant fan. He was kind of like an inspiration to you. I mean, can you just kind of talk about a little bit uh, how much Andre the Giant just not only meant to you, but to the sport of wrestling itself? Well, Andre was an icon. He was one of those guys that was pretty hard not to, you know, see and get his attention, get your, you know, to have your attention fixated on him. Um, as a little kid, he was, you know, larger than life as it is. But to a little kid, we look like giants. Imagine what Andre would look like. So 
um, yeah, I latched on to him pretty tight, and uh, he was one of my favorites. Uh, what are you up to now? Because my, one of my favorite moments of you was uh, your fake retirement with John Cena, where you faked it, and then you ended up uh, slamming him. I mean, dude, you should have won an Oscar off that whole thing alone. I mean, are you doing a lot of acting now? Because I feel like you'd be great at it. I'm doing I'm doing some acting. I'm, I'm enjoying that, too. It's, it's uh, a lot of fun. It's challenging. Uh, also, like, you know, food shows and, you know, you name it. I'm, I'm out there trying to do it, especially if it... It falls in the, in the Mark Henry wheelhouse. Fantastic. I have one last question for you. Are you going to go to the event tomorrow? You know what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, I got a, a late afternoon flight, but if I can change it, then I may stay. Sounds good. Austin Lane here reporting uh, from, from the man of the, the, the Hall of Pain, Mark Henry. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Ah, there it is, Austin Lane uh, with Mark Henry, world's strongest man. I was I was hoping that you would challenge him to something, but uh, nope, nope, sure, sure wasn't, Brent. I'm kind of famished. I've been eating about I don't know four or five hours, so uh, I was going to leave the giant beef. <laughs> he is a big, big <laughs> man. Um, yeah. Hey, that's one thing you haven't ventured into. Maybe you should do like world's strongest man type of stuff. No, man. I mean, I've, if you ever watched Game of Thrones, a guy by the name of Mountain, I think won it last year. And uh, seeing the kind of weight that he was moving around, I don't even come close to that. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to let those big, strong guys have that. Um, uh, my ego's not that big. <laughs> All right. Give us, uh, before we let you go, what's what's next now? What do you do the rest of the night? Yep. And uh, it's a long yeah. day for you, but what do you do the rest of the night and heading into tomorrow's big double or nothing event in Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, I kind of took something out of your book, Brent. Uh, I've been scouting locations. So tonight we have the weigh-ins. Um, and, you know, that's going to be the double or nothing weigh-ins going on tonight. And then a little press conference after. Hopefully I can talk to uh, Hangman Page, kind of get a feel if he's going to actually wrestle tomorrow or not. Because I spoke with him a little bit today, and he didn't seem adamant about he's actually going to be able to wrestle because his opponent, Pac, ended up backing out um, a few weeks ago. So uh, will, will Hangman Page wrestle? Who are going to be the bigger stars that haven't been announced yet? We shall see. Um, and then I'm really excited to share my interview with Ken Shamrock, too. This is a guy who was at UFC 1, the, the original UFC, you know, that they call him the world's dangerous man for a reason. Um, he had a little stint in the in professional wrestling as well. And just hearing his, um, you know, hearing how he had to work at professional wrestling, because you have a guy who fought in the UFC who everyone was afraid of, but when it came to wrestling, because that was his second career, he still had to pay his dues. You know, like the locker room didn't accept him right away, even though he did MMA. So hearing him talk about what he had to go through to, I guess, to try to gain the wrestler's respect is a pretty cool story. So I can't wait to share that one as well. All right, that'll be good stuff when you come back and uh, tell us all about it on Tuesday. We uh, we have a shortened show on Monday. Uh, be kind of more of a best of. They can check out on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. But Tuesday, back in the saddle, three to six, as we close in on our 100th show. Uh, hey, real here quick, on Action before Sports you bounce Jacks. out, Austin, do you have any predictions for the show this week? Any predictions for the show? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'm not gonna break down because it, it's a giant card, but I think Jericho uh, is gonna actually beat Kenny Omega, which could be somewhat of an upset. I like Cody Rhodes against Dustin Rhodes. Um, I think Britt Baker wins the triple threat. Um, the, 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 the one that's, the, the one that's hard to, uh, kind of decide on is, is it the battle royal? Uh, it's, it's a casino battle royal and, um, that one, MJF possibly, but it's hard to pick a guy there. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Joy Janela as well, but uh, that's probably all I got for predictions because there's going to be surprises. There's going to be uh, surprise contestants. So I could I could sit here and um, you know kind of 
kind of break it down all day. And another one, too, is obviously the Lucha Brothers and then the Young Bucks as well. I think the, the Lucha Brothers are going to take that one, too. So we'll see. Hey, uh, how about this? What's the uh, CM Punk show up or no? What are the odds of that? You know, um, we, we talked to him yesterday, Brent, and he, he well, supposedly he's in L.A., you know, so he's, he's calling a, an MMA event. Um, there is a little hype around everyone saying that that could be a possibility. John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, is another possibility. Uh, I mean, if I see CM Punk, man, I might, I'm going to have to go up to him and say, like, hey, man, you could have gave us a little something yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, but we shall see, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting for sure. It doesn't matter if he's in L.A. The cons do have a private jet or two. So <laughs> that's, uh, that yeah. part's not, that, that's not uh, a stopper for that. Uh, odds of Brent winning the home run derby are they out in Vegas? Can you put money on me? You know what? So, so, so I was talking to people, and um, it's funny you should say that. So I ended up going to the Caesar Sportsbook, looked you up, and I'm going to be honest, Brent, you're second right now. Taven Bryan coming in at even money, actually. Wow, even, even money on Taven Bryan song. right now. All right. As yeah, as yeah. As I mean, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to argue. He's an athlete. He's a Midwest guy, like I've been saying, Brent. So. Don't take him lightly, please. I will not do it. Uh, and one last one for you. I'm going to go back to football to end it because Kuz sure. asked this question the other day. We never got to it. We talked about Nick Foles a lot this week, and he looked good out there again today. But do you as a player, uh, and, and mm-hmm. speak for the players, do you like the rah-rah quarterback, the guy that's going to yeah. get in your face, you know, or do you like the laid-back, cool as a cucumber, sipping on coffee kind of guy. Uh, which one would you rather play with? That's a great question. Are you sure that actually came from Coos? I know. That's I was shocked. Really good question. I was shocked, too. He had two really good questions this week, so I wanted to make sure I got to it. Dude's on fire. So, you know, I, I'm okay, I'm going to play like this. Obviously, I didn't play a lot of offense. I mean, I played in high school, but in college and then NFL, didn't play on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you're talking middle linebackers. I mean, you know, and I've said it before on the show, when you're playing defense, it takes a special type of player because it's all about intensity, it's raw motion, it's all about read and react and go downhill. I think the offensive side of the ball is a little different, Brent. And I, I'm going to compare it like this. Imagine you're a kid or uh, imagine your kids are waking up to go to school, okay? And I'm going to ask you this question. If if you're a parent and you wake your kids up to go to school, you know, they're waking up, they're tired, they're a little groggy, are you going to get in their face and yell at them and say, get up, or are you going to kind of softly ease them into getting up? Um. I feel like my wife is more the get maybe, in your face. Maybe you're the wrong person to ask. No, no, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm actually the more like I ease them getting up. I really do. Because yeah. I don't want them yeah. uh, waking up yelling at me. Yeah, exactly, I, because I feel like, and this is kind of what I'm comparing. Like When you're in that huddle, if a play goes your way, if it doesn't go your way, I mean, there's um there's a sense of, I don't want to say nervousness, but, you know, sometimes if you if you mess up on a player, there's a sense of uneasiness, kind of like getting up in the morning as a kid. And if your mom came in the room, if your dad came in the room and yelled at you, said, get up, we got to go right now, what are you going to do? You, you're going to panic and you're going to, um, you're probably not going to play the best on the field because it's kind of the same thing, right? Whereas opposed to if you're sleeping as a kid in the bed and all of a sudden your mom kind of eases you up, and it's like, hey, awesome, time to get up or we have to go to school now. Like, if you hear those kind of soothing words a little bit, I think the reinforcement makes it where it's almost like reassuring, right? Like, you almost want to wake up now. You're, you're not panicking. You're not going to make a mistake. You're not going to struggle. 
And I think the football field is actually the same thing, where if you have a guy that makes a mistake out there and you chew him out, I mean, yes, that's the coach's job. But if you're the quarterback, if you're the general of that team, it's all about keeping guys balanced. You can't be up too high. You can't be up too low. So to answer your question, or actually to answer Kuz's question, I, I would say I'd prefer a quarterback to be a little more chill and laid back. Ah, very interesting. That is an analogy that uh, is one I never thought you'd get to. That was a wild analogy. But I also think it makes – you've just made every – single person question their parenting skills <laughs> well, I mean, do you kind of see where i'm coming from though, no, I, no, I, I thought it was a good yeah. analogy like i'm liking it okay, i'm kind of i'm absorbing it i'm actually thinking about it i'm like all right yeah I, I, I get it yeah. i get it and uh i kind of like it but we talked about earlier in the show too scott and i were saying and then marcel stopped by i said you do want that you got to know that that guy also is going to get kind of pissed off and and hold you accountable because you want to play to that standard you know, and that's something that Foles brings yeah. that really the last couple of guys haven't been able to bring because they were just worried about playing up to whatever standard they were supposed to be trying to play up to. I think Foles comes in here with a standard, and that automatically mm-hmm. makes receivers, I think, step up and play well. Like I, I always say it about Brady, and I brought up Russell Wilson, that those receivers go make plays for those guys because they don't want to let the QB down. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, it's about being accountable. I mean, we talked about Peyton Manning, I think it was yesterday, where Peyton Manning wasn't necessarily the easiest teammate to get along with because he held just such high standards. But when you go on that field, you knew he was going to win. Um, but at the same time, I think if you have a quarterback who's chewing you out all the time in practice, because you have to remember, Brent, like say say you're a wide receiver, you, you drop a ball in practice, you have a quarterback that chews you out, that's kind of showing erratic behavior. What happens when that guy goes to the sideline? The coach is going to chew him out as well. So now you're almost getting like, double duty of like getting chewed out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean the same thing sometimes happens on defense. So I think from that perspective, you know, getting chewed out twice on one play by number one the quarterback and number two the coach, uh that, that can definitely hurt somebody's confidence. Austin Lane from Las Vegas, first ever report on the road from Vegas here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. Have a good weekend. Travel safe. Have some fun out there. Do some work. We'll and, do. And, and by the way, hey, Brent, I I have one more question for you. What? You said put a thousand dollars on black, right? One hundred. One hundred. One hundred thousand dollars. One hundred thousand dollars. One hundred dollars. One hundred thousand dollars. I'll Venmo are, it. Are to you, you. going to PayPal me? I'll Venmo okay, it to you. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate nope. it. Or I'll have it sitting <laughs> here, right here, when you get here on yeah. Tuesday. Although we know what's going to happen. Somebody will come in and take it. They always mess up oh, on the studio. What else is new? I'll hand it yeah. to you on Tuesday. You hand it to me because you're going to win. One spin, one roll on black. Have fun, man. Thank you, man. We'll do. Talk to you later. All right. Austin Lane from Vegas. We're taking a quick time out. Scott? We're pretty much done for the day, brother. Oh, we're done. I didn't know which one of this was. We're done. How about that? Yeah, it's 550-something. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to win a home run derby crown. Everybody else have a great weekend. Hope you have fun. Hey, better, better. So wing better. We'll see you out at the baseball grounds. First pitch uh, walk-off charities event. Come on out. I'll meet you down there, 615. Start hitting bombs. Hope you have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Be safe all weekend. Have fun. I'll see you on TV tonight as well on Fox 30 and CBS 47. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.